some of them. You're wasting all your time and money on models. Paint what you have. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Model Club TV, episode 79. Holy cow. As always, my lovely co-host, Scott Johansson. How are you, sir? I'm lovely. That Aren't we all lucky you're lovely? Because if I you weren't pretty. lovely, how terrible this would be. Oh, it'd be terrible. It would be terrible. How are you, sir? What's new? What you been doing the last couple of weeks? Been sick. Well, I went to Florida. Have we recorded since I got back from Florida? Yes. Remember we talked about the hurricane last time? Yeah. Yeah. And how you diverted it? At what well, I did. Yeah. All right. Anything since you've been as, back as from Florida? Fact, wait, hold on. Is the uh, UAW strike affecting you, sir? No. Okay. Uh, that has nothing to do with me. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know. Um, <laughs> okay. He's pulling. Gramps is pulling out his phone. See what this is about. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to show you. Oh, show boy. You. We're off to a very exciting start here on episode 79. But, uh, while Scott scrolls through his phone. You brought it up. There you go. something. Okay. So, this is my stepdaughter sent this. Okay, the other day. Now, I'm going to see if it's focused. See where the blue dot is? No. That's my location. I don't see where the blue dot is. Hold on. It's right yeah. You know, we could have pre-planned this and maybe got an image. Okay, the blue dot is, like, right there at my fingertips. Okay. Okay. So, if you were to look at this storm, there you go. There, see the blue dot there? No. Look, it's raining everywhere but me. You see oh, what my stepdaughter wrote closer. at the bottom? You gotta get closer. You see what my stepdaughter wrote at the bottom? No, because now your phone is blacked out. <laughs> wrote, nice work. Okay, anyway, go on. I, 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 we, yes. Scott controls the weather. Other than controlling the weather, anything new? I don't control the weather. I divert oh, the You. Anything else going on? Did you have some uh, Jersey Fest sadness that we weren't there? No, I, I didn't have sadness because <laughs> um, I was so fortunate on Friday night to get a call from a bunch of drunken idiots. I got no of those uh, phone calls. What the heck? Nobody likes you. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's right. So, or maybe they do like you and they don't like me because <laughs> I was on the phone with these idiots for 45 minutes. I think you hit we're gonna put this. We're going to put this picture up right here um, of, uh, it's not in the slideshow, but I'm going to give it to you, of Paul Gill's foot. Okay. Oh, okay. Because the Bigfoot uh, conversation got up. Got going, and I, you know, after seeing this picture, I'm not so sure it don't exist. <laughs> but he definitely needs some work. So anyway, okay, I told you, you fucking send me something that nasty. I'm gonna put it on here. And uh, all right, so they, I will be receiving a foot picture. Yes, yes, you. Scott will. has gone to his phone for the second time in the beginning. Of because this damn it, I'm sending it to you before I forget it. Oh no, it's not my phone yet. I'll have to get it. Okay, I'll have to get it later. Sorry. So okay. what did they say? What's the uh, Jersey Fest? I have one email we'll get to in emails about Jersey Fest, so, but I've seen some pictures. Lots of dealers stuff look great. I've, I've and, talked to people. Okay. Um, I've talked to a few different people. You are the man of the people, so uh, you generally have a better different dealers I've spoken to. And uh, one of the things I heard was that, you know, it was wasn't super crowded, but then I heard today there was still a pretty good crowd on Saturday for sure. Um, 
So I kind of heard, you know, two accounts on that. You know, yeah, there weren't a ton of people there, but there were people there. Understand, this show is not Wonderfest, okay? And oh. that's not a slam, okay? This is a smaller regional show that they're trying to grow bigger. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not going to have the Wonderfest crowd. That being said, all the dealers I've talked to, and I've talked to one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven dealers, we're all happy with their sailors. Sail, sail with their sailors. Well, did they mean Mark sailors? Well, they were happy were, with hey, Mark now, Worthling was happy. Now with I'm going sailors. next year. There's sailors. So, but yeah. um, so they were all happy with their sales. So, you know, it was if there weren't a lot of people there, the people that were there were spending money. So that's good. Good. Sunday they had torrential rain from the storm and stuff like that, so that may have kept people away. But people still made some money. I, I know I, I, you know, and again, I don't want to get in their business too bad, but I did talk to Paul and Mark Worthling, and they both had sales on Sunday. And the gentleman uh, I printed for had some sales on Sunday and ended up selling everything that I printed for him. So, um, you know, it was from what I understand, it was good. There was one post. Um, that you know i i think the dealer didn't do very well but i don't think that's a reflection of everyone i i think just he didn't do very well and, uh okay you know i won't go into who that was but I, I i'm gonna buy some kits from him because uh he's got a couple things i want so there all you right go. but so well, for good. the most I, part like, yeah. I, i'm hearing good things okay i hope it continues one thing to I did grow. Hear, one thing i did hear and i was asked by a couple people to mention is this Everyone was treated very well, and it was a very um, friendly atmosphere. Okay, everybody was friendly, and everybody was ha- you know had a good time and hung out. So you know, I definitely you know there was no <laughs> causing trouble, getting in fights with people. That would be me. Now, um, so again, and honestly, I, and I'm going to say this. People made me feel bad about not going because there were a lot of people that I think wanted me to be there. And I just couldn't justify it right now. And something else happened in my personal life, which I'm glad I didn't go because I needed to be here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we won't go into that. But nope. um, so, you know, it works out. But, um, you know, will I try to go next year? Yeah, I might. Sure. You know, I, it it's, uh, and I think like you said, people need to understand it's not wonderful. It is a smaller show. They're trying to grow that show. It'd be like mm-hmm. if you and I tried to do a show here, it would be very small. Um, and right. we've talked and, about it. We have talked about it, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't see how it would work. So I'm glad they're trying. No, I, I'm very glad they're trying, you know, yeah. and I'll support anybody that wants to do something for this hobby for sure. Yep. For so. sure. Very cool. Anything else? Anything else new and exciting? I got to see Swans. I'm sure that's that's why I didn't get to go because I had tickets. To see Swans. Hmm. Scott, I'm sure is very familiar with the music. Yeah, I've got all their work. Uh... <laughs> so I saw a movie. Oh boy! Oh, here we go. Okay. This movie was bad enough. You might have seen it. Wait a minute, can you extend your arm out? Oh, that's what that is. I'm fixing this right now. Fixed everything. I knew that was weird. I kept seeing your arm 
showing up on the other side of the screen. All right, Scott, what movie did you see, sir? I saw... Tell me if you've seen this. I don't know. It's called House on the Bayou. I am not. So, okay. what is what is the premise? Is this uh, is this a Johansson is... recommendation? <laughs> no, I know okay. it was just one of those. It wrote me in enough. Um, this guy comes home from work. His wife has caught him cheating. And she's real calm about it. So the first thing my wife says to me, is she says, yeah, don't think I'd ever be this calm about it. And starts talking about chopping parts of me off, which, <laughs> you know. Oh, man. Which make, it, which make it not worth it. So they go to this. They decide they're going to go on this vacation. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it, it was. I don't know. It was kind of a weird. I've seen worse movies. Who's in I, this so movie? I'm just what wondering. I, like, who's in it? So, Paint a picture for it. Like, what actor is. Nobody that I ever heard of. Oh, okay. You know, so it's one of those. I'll find an image and throw it up here. House in the Bayou. All right. It was, it came out in uh, Paul Schneider. Yeah, I don't know. Well, thanks for the uh, movie update. I'm impressed that you watched a movie and I'm glad you brought it up. So this is from 2021 and House on the Bayou follows a troubled couple and their daughter who go on vacation to an isolated house in the Louisiana Bayou to reconnect as a family. But when unexpected visitors arrive, the unity starts to unravel. Ooh, okay. It says horror mystery thriller. So, um, we'll give Johansson a, uh, movie to, uh, watch or a movie recommendation. Uh, wow. Featured review says seven out of 10. Um, an internet movie database. And let's see, user reviews, does it give you a, uh, wow, 8 out of 10, 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. All right, so if I was grading this movie. Yeah, what'd you do? Out of 10, what are you giving it? I would say it's a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I, okay. I think 6 out of 10. All right. Um, All right, everybody, we're having some technical difficulties. Buttons aren't working that well. So if your button doesn't show up today, it's, who knows? Uh, if you want to send us an email. It is modelclubtv at gmail.com, modelclubtv at gmail.com. If you want to send us a voicemail, I'm having to manually do these. But send us a voicemail. It's 708-816-4299, 708-816-4299. And we have Discord link down below, and the other links are down there too. If you want to get our model kit, print that on your own. Uh, someone... Message me wanting one in one six scale. I am only offering the small, which is pretty small, and then about nine inches. So if you would like that, there's other people you can do it or have someone else print it later on. Maybe I'll do it in one six, but as of right now, I'm just offering the two smaller sizes. So, but if you want to do it yourself, the files are there. Anyway, Scott, why'd it get brighter in your room? What happened? I got the TV on. Oh, it's kind of cool though. Look how it's flashing. You look like, like you're like one of them little like YouTuber kids now. House on the house on the bike. <laughs> All right, we have a giveaway. You ready? Let's, since things off. aren't working. Um, <laughs> no, I want to say something real quick about. Oh, the go email. ahead. Okay, the email is also for you to send your photographs in, um, for the gallery. Okay, for the gallery the and for your new, new stuff. products. Okay. Um, so there you go. 
Okay, go ahead. Give away. It is, I'm going to piggyback on that. It is very hard for me to try and gather everything. So if you want something specifically on the show, and we're not aiming this comment at anybody, I don't want anyone, just please send it to me. It's a lot easier than me scouring 50 different places. All right, we have our giveaways. Scott, tell me when to stop shuffling. This is from, thank you again, Mark. Let me get these up here. Mark of Mark's Hobby Bench. Thank you, sir, for sending these in. We have our Blackheart pieces. Three of them. So if you want these for yourself, head over to Blackheart Enterprises. Link will be down below. There's the Mandalorian. There's the Grogu head. It's all right there. You get all three, kid. And tell me when to oh, stop. Baby Yoda, it's Grogu. It is Grogu. Scott, tell me when to stop shuffling. Oh, real quick. If you entered and you do not see your name on here, that is because if you won in the last three episodes, I took your name out so that more people have a chance. So that's where we got. Tell me when to stop shuffling. I'm stopping shuffling. Well, if you're stopping shuffling, why do I tell me? Just tell me when now. All right. Spinning. And let's see who gets the three busts. It is Scale Model HQ. This is for you. So Scale Model HQ, send me an email at modelclubtv at gmail.com. And I, again, buttons are broke. Send us an email. We'll get these out to you. Thank you, Mark. I hope you're doing well. And send me an update. Love to hear from you. And our next giveaway, our next episode, from Paul Gill of Gilman Productions. And the, the buttons are broke. Uh, we have from Jesse Goodwin, his Neanderthal kit. Uh, you can see right here what it looks like all painted up. This is a beautiful paint job. I, I can't right here, I want to get this on here. So let me get back over to just us. Uh, it is one solid. I, I think it's hollow, maybe a little bit. It is hollow. But this, I, it's one of those I don't want to give away. Because this is a great painter's piece. It's prepped, ready to go, and there's so much character built into this face, sculpted in there, that it just it screams ready to be painted. And at this picture, if you look over here at um, this, Man, I, pa- I do wow. we know who painted this? I'm a, I'm assuming it was Jesse Goodwin who painted this. As, but it almost looks God. like there's stubble on there. I know. <laughs> And I have a feeling it's just tiny little white dots to make it look like that. Because holy cow, what a great paint job. So up for grabs. Neanderthal. Neanderthal. Man, I got to get kudos to Paul too, because holy cow, I don't know how long those molds are going to last in that mouth because, uh, yeah, that's that's a big cavity right there. Yeah. It's, it's really, really nice. And then, well, the cavity that's there is actually, it's like his tongue is in there. So it kind of, it's not a straight hole all the way back. Um, but this is a great piece. Anyone who get this, like, I don't want to give it up. So what we're going to do is you're going to say, what, I don't know. What do we say in there? We're going to say comments to, to get entered into the kit. Scott. In the comments, I want you to say, I love that Neanderthal Paul. <laughs> All right. I love that Neanderthal Paul. Or or just Neanderthal Paul, because it's got a nice, it's got a nice ring. It totally does. Neanderthal Paul. Okay. Very good. So there we have it. There you can see it again. That's what he gets for sending me a picture of his nasty foot. 
Okay. <laughs> oh man. All right. Continuing on with the rest of the show. Uh, we have two giveaways, and first up, news and reviews, Scott. First up from Goodfellas Resin. It was one of those things I went and grabbed today. Goodfellas Resin presents you Tech Noir. And if you think back to my most wanted garage kits, this was one of them. Still waiting for that full figure, but this is a bust I may have to settle for. Uh, our companion piece to Kyle, we uh, brought 10 of them to Jersey Fest and they were all gone. The reception we had to him was great. As everyone loved the likeness to Arnold and the overall feel of his arm, the texture on his jacket, and the base made to look like the club, club Tech Noir where they battled it out. Kit comes with Arnold, arm with gun, laser sight, base, two bottles to be placed on the base, and Tech Noir sign as seen in the movie. The kit is $120 plus shipping. So head on over to Goodfellas Resin, but I do want to show you some of these pictures. This, sculpted by Jeff Yeager. And what a perfect likeness of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, this is fantastic. This is from the first movie? From the first movie. When he goes into the Tech Noir Club, Club Tech Noir, and shoots up the place. I, I really, really, really like this piece. And it goes right along with their Kyle, the other one from Terminator. And this is, it's dead on. It's awesome. Well done, Goodfellas Resin. Really, really cool piece. And I'm glad it did well for you at Jersey Fest. Well done. Cool stuff. And you could do a lot of really cool uh, lighting effects with the sign. Oops. With the sign, you could do a lot of cool lighting effects. Do some neon painting on there. See if you can pull that off with some glow. That would look awesome. But well done, good fellas. Check them out. Links below. Good fellas resin. All right. Up next, we have. This is a uh, Jeff Yeager signature piece. Jeff Yeager signature piece. And um, <clears throat> this is going to be the, I think, first in a series. Of, and this is, you know. I can't remember. Maybe there was one. So someone out there that's a better historian than me can clarify. If anyone has ever sculpted the blind hermit. Only the once, Hermit's. you think? Only once, maybe. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe this is the first time. So um, this is a Jeff Yeager signature piece. I believe it's going to be $150 if I'm wrong. Don't, don't kill me. Um, contact Paul because um, he'll be doing the casting for these. And the reason it's called a signature piece is on the back. Jeff has included a uh, signature. signature piece. And uh, that's kind of cool. I like the way he sculpted it all the way around. It's not super like you miss anything if you don't see the back of it. But yet it's cool. Yeah. Um, a nice piece. Call Paul Gill or not call Paul. Well, yeah, call Paul. Whatever you want to do. I don't care. You need Neanderthal. Um, <laughs> but uh, he did tell me tonight the first 40 of these are sold already. So wow. I don't know how many they're going to okay. make. But get on the list if you're get interested. Get on the list. But um, it's a great, it's great, great, great likenesses there. Um, every time I see the hermit, I look at it and go, no, it's supposed to be Gene Hackman. Cause I was thinking people, the same thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I think that will eventually come from another producer, but yeah. um, <clears throat> I was thinking the same thing. That's funny. But that was the best spoof, I think, in Young Frankenstein, the spoof of the hermit yeah. visit from the Bride of Frankenstein. It's 
it was perfect so awesome anyway next from uh yeah mark van tyne yeah sculpted by mark van tyne one third scale and this is third in the series is lon cheney as the phantom playing the piano or the organ sorry the organ and uh this is really cool i i this is a really cool piece um but yeah, this piece has been in the making for a while. I've known about it, but um, I just first saw the photos um, this week. And this is part of their series. Mark did a uh, Cheney Frankenstein and a um, Karloff Mummy a while back. And yeah. they've now revisited this series with a Phantom. Yeah. And this, I think, debuted at Wonder at uh, Jersey Fest as well. Was yeah. The, was the debut. Yeah. So. Uh, this I think one it, is 150. I know that 100, this one is 50. Yeah. Okay. So, um, hit up Paul to get on the list for that. And contact uh, information will be in the notes of the show. Then notes of the show. But yeah, no, it's a really. I really like the the detail in his hands. Those hands look great. So, and what okay. do we have next up? Up next. Hold on. What's his company's name again? Retro Go Go Nostalgic Resin Production. Yeah, that's it. Nostalgic Resin Productions. This is his second release. And uh, the Night Stalker. Uh, Night Stalker. Carl Kolchak. And I think I think they finally finalized the sculpt. I know they worked on the head a little bit, but um, there it is. Yeah, two. He's got two comments. Like that's fast. Yeah, two yeah. releases back to back, and it's really, really nice. This, the picture here with his hand holding on, holding the head on, I really, really like that. That's a cool, just classic, so, classic feel to it. There you go. So yeah, head up over to Facebook, Nostalgic Resin Productions. Find all the information there. Links again. So and happy congrats, anniversary! David. Really oh yeah, and happy anniversary, Mister Horvath. Yeah, it was their anniversary today. I and uh up next he's put up with them for this long but yeah man, when you have 15 kids i guess you <laughs> gotta keep the breadwinner i don't know up next sweet life productions scott take it away uh johnny ringo you look like someone stepped on your grave um the second from their uh tombstone series johnny ringo and this is the first time i've seen this and um so they did a really good job of keeping this under wraps. It's not available just yet, but it's going to be. Um, and like I, I want to give them kudos video. as well. It's the first time I've seen it as well. Keeping yeah. something under wraps is very hard these days. And well done. Because, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, and that likeness is awesome. It, it's, I, I love it. I love both these pieces. The Doc Holiday is still available. The uh, Johnny Ringo, I I love both of these. And there's something new there going on. Yeah, that's actually been out a while, and for some reason, um, I don't know that we've we did not cover it. I we did not that they released a smaller version. And uh, what's that? Oh, of the Doc Holiday. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I knew that we talked they were going to, and it looks like they're going to do the same thing with the Johnny Ringo. Very cool for people who like smaller stuff. I. And it's, it goes to exactly what you've said many, many times. Utilize your sculptures. Like, 
like well not to mention but, you know and i forgot what they charge for the the bust but the busts are more expensive you know and they're big they're quarter scale yeah and there were people that were kind of like well i like it but i don't know if i like it for that much money well so you have an option get a smaller one yep. um and it's the same exact sculpt same exact sculpt just smaller again this is what digital will do and for those that are naysayers on digital sculpture i gotta say look at these two things and tell me that they're you know that they're no that's as good as any garage kit likeness i've ever seen sculpted traditionally too and not i'm not bashing it i'm just saying and then they also have coming i think this is out already is that, <clears throat> this is, okay. and we've not covered this uh champagne dreams yep we i think we did it a long time ago but this is it did first we? time seeing it painted as well so here we go marilyn monroe so all right really nice piece as well more of that classic kind of just hollywood stuff which is i, I love that stuff yeah yes. no, I, I, yeah that seems to be making like not a comeback because it really was never there but Gaining some popularity between David, what David's doing with some classic stuff. This is some classic stuff. Just your classic people. It's not actors. the same old classic. And it's not the same old stuff. Monsters. Yep. Okay. So there you go. Really nice piece. Really good likeness. A lot of like life in this piece. And I like how it's cut too. Like it's just very simple and elegant, which is what it should be. Not all over the place. So well done here, guys. Sweet life. Contact Where info I... down below. My main man. Take it away while I push button. <laughs> meep, meep. Um, this is his uh, Roadrunner piece. And I love it. Um, a couple things on this. I have maybe had a hand in, but. Uh, um, so I, I don't understand it. one part of it. His what do you understand? Is that going to be clear? Like how? What does that piece look like? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm yeah, clicking through this circle. Oops. And yeah, you could print it clear and, and tint it. But yeah, it's, or you could just print, paint it white. And... So I'd like to see what that piece is just sculpted like. It is so nice, so dynamic. It's exactly what it should be. You know, what like... worries me about this piece is will the coyote stay up? stretched out like that will he sag over time that's that Um, is a very good point (laughs) oh that is a little scary um the good news is you can just print another one and put it on there when he does yeah he does so um it's hard to say you know it's not gonna be very heavy so maybe it won't um you know when you really look at the coyote's skinny so right but uh it's a cool piece but you're right over time things do tend to sag i mean if there's one what i'm seeing you could do some drool that touches his tail or Mm -hmm. like the tongue touch the tail just barely or something to kind of have it support itself but man what a great piece it's one of those like again you wouldn't see this 10 years ago at all it's so good to see it now and then also from Well Winner, into oh, Jason's Wheelhouse, Sheila from Dungeons and Dragons, the animated series. And it is a companion piece to Bobby 
which will be coming out. And I have a feeling they're going to have this huge base with all the characters. But man, I, I already have it downloaded just like the other one ready to go. And wow. Well, keep it up. Keep doing stuff like this. Great ideas. Great, great, great stuff. All right. And up next, Scott, what is this? We showed a few of these. Yep. But this is the whole set together. And this is the Anto Mob. It's all the mobsters. And, uh, there they are from the Wacky Races and the Perils of Penelope Pitstop. <laughs> Very and, cool. Um, he asked me, he says, do you, you understand what those bases are? And I go, yeah, they're poker chips. So he wasn't sure everybody was going to get that. but so, They almost uh, look like film rail canisters. But until you see the dollar sign. Yeah. And then the line. Anyway, it's the Anto Mob. And there might be another piece coming, companion piece to that. Okay. I think I've seen it. There is a limo coming, like the, the car. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Then the next one is Brutus. This is part of that. Oh, what's the name of the cartoon now? I'm drawing a blank, but it, it's from later. It's like a Hercules type thing that came out later. And then he just posted a picture of this whole, all the characters he did from this. Uh huh. On a diorama base. So, um, you know, and again, I, I just, I look at this guy's work and it's just phenomenal. And I just got done printing a piece of his. I'm working on another one. And I found a, a problem with a piece that he, this is probably a two year old piece, a year old piece. Get closer to your mics, Mr. Lazy. Oh. <laughs> um, so I found a problem with a piece. And, you know, again, like, and we're going to touch on this with um, Mr. Berglund. I got a hold of him and he's like fixed it right away. And, you know, it's some of these people, some of these Patreons you deal with, whatever, man, you ask them to fix something. It's like, yeah. Well, what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. But well is awesome. So. All right. From Pestilence Labs. I got a lot to read here. Want me to do it? I'll do it. New kit for the creature from the Black Lagoon purists. Meet the Polywog. Digitally sculpted by Michael Berglund, who is our guest this episode. And we forgot to ask him about this. And prototype prints by Mr. Ed Bradley. I guess I'm not good enough anymore. Uh, this is a one. What? Me neither. Yeah. Wow. Ed. Good job, Ed. Uh, this is a one six scale multimedia kit. That will be available soon. Target price is $135 plus shipping. Here is a great bio on the piece by sculptor Michael Berglund. This is a hybrid resin 3D printed kit that comes in 11 pieces, including clay lumps and sculpting tools. The kit stands at 12 inches high. A deluxe 18-inch 1-1 replica size kit is in the works. The studio actually built a suit based on this sculpt and tested it underwater with Julie Adams. Upon viewing the footage, one studio exec was said to have exclaimed, well, that sucked. We're screwed. And I could see why. <laughs> would be terrible. But I think for anyone who's a huge creature from the Black Lagoon fan, this is like right up there and something really cool to have. So there's a lot more. If you want to read more about the background on this piece, head over to Pestilence Labs Facebook group. And there's a big, long post about it there. Uh, there's some, like, I think what they've done with this, with the tools that you're going to get with it and some clay lumps. It'll make for a really cool display piece. So, well done, everybody involved. Is this something you'll like put on? I will not. Um, I'm <laughs> a purist, and and I, I'm not a 
completest. Completest. So this would uh, be for your purest completest. Yes. Black Lagoon people. You know, it, it's okay. It, it's just not up my alley. Oh yeah. It's, no, it's a great piece. I, I'm not. And if you if you see if you see the photos, it's it's actually dead on. So. Yeah, and the, and I think the one to one scale thing to actually make it look like the sculpture that was being worked on is a great idea. And I think even reading down into some of more that was written, they purposely made it look like a clay sculpture with tool mm-hmm. marks and other things in there. So it looks like it's actually being worked on, which hasn't, I can't think of another time that that's been done outside of like the King Kong armature, like something that is supposed to kind of look like the thing. Exactly. Not the creature. So and I, I I'm gonna go so far as to say I'm glad the final product didn't look like this. So. <laughs> no, could you imagine how different the world the would be would a, if this was about, cre- so think about that. How many creature from the Black Lagoon kits are out there? And how many wouldn't be out there if this was the way if this was the creature, just that would never have become what it is. At all. So all right, what's the next thing here, Scott? I've discovered a new artist okay and so this gentleman's name is todd rex okay you can find him on facebook you can go to his photos and you can look at his work could you spell the last name for us r-e-x rex and so what happened is and our slides are a little out of order so if you go to the bottom slide first and you can put them back in this order. I saw somebody purchased this mummy bust at Jersey Fest. And I saw this thing and I said, oh my God, that's beautiful. And I'm like, so I asked who, who did this. That is a nice mummy. And our listener, Joe Bello, who thought we were boring last episode, by the way. I don't think we forgot you. Get ready Joe. for this episode, Joe. Yeah. yeah. We're going to bore you. Hold on. I'm fixing that stuff. So anyway, Joe Bello, uh, told me who sculpted it. I went to the gentleman's Facebook page and started looking through the photos. And uh, I got a hold of them. And I actually have one of these coming my way. What was the price? uh, I paid $110 plus shipping. And um, not even sure of the scale, but it's (laughs) really a nice looking piece. I I don't know. That is a good mummy. That is a really good mummy. And then if you go, he's also so I'm just going to go backwards from that since you put these out yeah. of order. And didn't... So he's done three. Um, a creature from the Black Lagoon and a Frankenstein monster. And um, they're really, really nice. Here's the Frankenstein, the bear sculpt uh, piece. I believe he sells them painted and unpainted. Okay. okay. And then this is another piece he did. I don't know what it is, but it's kind of cool. Like... Kind of a his own creature version looking. of the creature, maybe. Yeah, better than a polywog. I mean, you know, <laughs> but still, that's good. Nothing beats the original creature design, you know. And again, I'm not knocking Mark's kid. I'm just saying the polywog wouldn't have made the popularity. That... <laughs> and then what's so. this uh, mummy cast? So this mummy, I wanted to show how big this mummy was, so I'm showing him painting it. This is a good size. And the reason I'm saying, Levy told me these were all. <clears throat> 110, but I'm not 100% sure, so contact him. He did a whole line of these super deforms. Kind of. Oh, okay. So he did this mummy, did the wolfman, notice the poop yeah. in the background. Um, here's a set of the four of them. 
But, you know, it looks like they're a good size. Yeah. And uh, I really like the mummy. I'll probably get the mummy. That'll be my next the mummy uh, super deformed or the monster. Oh, what's his name again? Just so people. Todd Rex. Okay. And you can see some of his other work too. I believe he works for an FX uh, special effects place or an FX place. FX place. What? Do you, what's going on? You gonna drink the whole episode again? I got. Hey, I got a dry throat. So sorry. You know, you've been on sick before. No one says nothing to you. You know, <laughs> you think you saw Bigfoot. Anyway, no, no, Bigfoot saw me. This is a uh, seems like a really good guy. And he was really glad to get my business. I guess he's out on strike. Um, so he must be part of that union. Yeah. And uh, so the money helps. So um, awesome. Check him out. But yeah, mummy, check him out, guys. Everybody. That's, that mummy is. That, that mummy bus is beautiful. Sweet. Karloff, if you ask me. I agree. So, uh, completely. A lot of people have asked me about when are you going to do that foam issue? Okay. Issue? You mean video? Or video. Yeah. And, you know. Again, For the record, I knew you were never going to do it, but go ahead. I wouldn't say never going to do it. So I saw somebody carving out of what looked like balsa foam. But it was a recent post. So I said to the guy, I said, uh, hey, um, where did you get that? Home is it old stock? And he said, it's going to blow you away. No. Green Stuff World sells it. Really? So I went to Green Stuff World, and they do sell um, phenolic carving foam in different, uh, let's see, this one's four millimeters. That I'm looking at. Are they tiny little pieces though? No, they're eight and a half by eleven pieces. Okay. And there's three different thicknesses, I believe. Looking right now. There's an A5, an A4, and an okay, so the, the there's a four millimeter. And what size are those? Those are smaller. Okay. So those are and and I have to do the conversion, but 148. By 210 millimeter. Okay. So those are smaller pieces. Okay. And then there's, um, and then the other two are both 210 by 297, which is about eight by 11. Really? Okay. Right? All right. And how um, expensive is this? Five bucks. Five bucks for, a piece, which is balsa foam. That's about balsa foam. You get two pieces for ten bucks. Yeah. Okay. So, um, interesting. Check out Green Stuff World. They're having a ten percent sale right now on it. Um. All right. And I think what I might order one of each. And does this stuff come from another country? Yes. That... Sometimes it okay. does. Yes. <laughs> so you're gonna eat the shipping. Yep. Okay. All right. But it is out there. So. Okay. And it's probably because it's toxic and they can't sell it in this country, but they can make it and sell it. So who knows? Or maybe like people could ask, like if your local hobby game store stocks green stuff world stuff, maybe ask and see if they can order it for you. So the shipping goes with them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll check it out. Cool. 
But uh, check it out. I was pretty uh, shocked. Yeah. Nice. All right. All right. Up next, we have our guest, Michael Berglund. Uh, Michael's been on the show before, uh, but we brought him back for a special reason. That's because him and Scott have been working on something. And Scott, you want to announce it now or wait for people to watch the. Uh... Well, watch the episode. You'll see it. I think we've hinted at it. But okay. um, we'll, we'll talk about it after when we get back. Excellent. Here he is. We are back with Michael Berglund. How are you, sir? Great. Thank you. Happy to be here. How, I, have you started your journeys for the winter yet? No. Uh, uh, next Monday, next, we do. Okay, where do next you head? Monday. Well, there's. we should maybe let people know some context here. Uh, so, uh, as an artist guy, it's kind of strange, but uh, sold my house uh, a year ago, and so I'm living in a trailer. And what you call a digital nomad, because my day job is graphic design and illustration, and just decided when I was going to be 100% remote, why don't I go really remote? So, in the summertime, we're up in Minnesota, and yeah, we're going to start heading south, go to Arizona, California, down into Baja, Mexico, and hang out. And somehow or another, dude, <laughs> besides graphic design, digital sculpting, and I don't have any 3D printers with me currently, but uh, it's been a bit of a challenge to be an artist and be on the road at, this, at the same time, but it's working. I've got Starlink, I've got Wi-Fi hotspots, and life is good. So far, so good. That's awesome. Like. How good of a computer do you have to do all that stuff? Or is it just kind of lap your laptop suffices or? Yeah, I'm on a, I've got a Microsoft Surface Book 3 and that's about two years old. They don't, now they don't make them anymore. I was just reading an article about the Surface line is kind of going downhill, but I've got a graphics tablet. This really? laptop has been completely <laughs> powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually uh, thinking about getting one of those. Now, no. <laughs> Huion is what I have right now. I used to have a Wacom, but now... Uh, so uh, the trailer's big enough that i got a little space that can be my office all the time. I've got two monitors set up, and so far, so good. Lots of external hard drive space, and, and I can pretty much work as long as... And so pretty much everything that I've created for the past couple of years has been on my laptop on the road, which is... It's pretty cool. That's kind of, that's very liberating. And instead of being tied, I, that's, I think a life it's I would like to live one day. <laughs> it's a different set of problems, right? Yeah. So you think, oh, I'm free of all of this stuff. And, you know, the other day I was working and somebody came up to us in the park that we're staying and said, you have to leave because we were overbooked. So I never been kicked out of my own house before. <laughs> uh, there was a, there was a booking error. So there's challenges trying to find a place to be, you know, and that kind of a thing. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun and we're seeing an awful lot of places traveling around. And, you know, I just sort of thought to myself, there was a day last winter when work was really difficult and it really sucked, but we're parked on a beach in Mexico. So I'm like, how hard can, how bad can this be? <laughs> you know, will we do this forever? No, but as you know, we like to, my wife and I like to mountain bike and hike and, and just kind of be in the outdoors. And so this lets us do that. And uh, it's just insane that I can be doing the kind of graphic design and package design that I'm doing 
I work for video game companies, so I do package design for PlayStation, Xbox, and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of absurd that I can be out in the middle of nowhere working on all these video game releases and digital monsters and sculptures and things like that. So it's pretty fun. I need to ask you a question when we're not live, when we're not recording about that. (laughs) (laughs) So just a, a brief history. You've always been, if, if I remember right, you've always been aware of the Garage Kit community. Yeah, yeah. Um, you knew George Stevenson a long time ago, correct? If I remember, trying to go back to the episode, I should have watched before we did this, but I never watch him. You never watched him in the uh, first place. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm an Aurora Model Kit guy. That's where mm-hmm. that all started. And I had them all in a box. And then uh, I met a fellow in college and we started a special effects company. And when I had a shop space and we were doing special effects for TV commercials and feature films in Minnesota, I, I brought all my old Aurora models out and I was refurbishing them. And just like, hey, I'm an adult now. I can take all of the red enamel paint off the mummy and kind of paint them to look really cool. So the model kit thing has always been part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, George might have been like early 90s, 1990 or something. He opened the yellow pages in Minnesota under special effects, and there was our company. We're like the only one. And so he <laughs> called us up and he was like, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I need some people to do molding and casting. Do you guys know silicone and urethane? And yeah. So uh, we knew George right from almost the really early days of uh, geometric design. I think he'd done the Cyclops and maybe Amy from Fright Night and Teenage mm-hmm. Werewolf. And we did the original molding and casting for the pumpkin head kit that he did. And uh, I just kind of started, I did the Fright Night bat uh, back in the day. And so we started our relationship way back then and knew nothing about garage kits at that time but of course you know he's getting into it and building it so for many years uh we did a lot of the molding and casting and some sculpture and design work for him and then later on our company built the his vinyl casting equipment for geometric design when he got into the the vinyl stuff and so it's just been years and years and years but that having been said it had been many years since i was involved in this hobby uh, and went on to do other things. I ended up being a creative director for a brewery, so I was doing beer labels for 10 years and that kind of thing. And eventually, I started taking pictures of my Aurora kits just for the heck of it, sent some to George, and he's like, why aren't you sculpting anymore? <laughs> like, I don't know. He goes, okay, start sculpting something for me. And so that was you know, four or five years ago, and he kind of pushed me back into this again. I started to do some work for him, he made some introductions and it all leads to, you know, you fine gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah, so, so you're on the downhill now. So yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah you exactly. And you're on the downhill now. So it, it's, um, yeah. Well, so and it, I know when we had you on before, you know, you had started that, um, the Aurora bus line, which now Todd is escape hatches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Handling. Yeah. And, uh, Recently, I think this last Wonderfest, you were work. Uh, you had done the Ferocious Females, um, yeah. and you want to talk a little about that? What inspired that, or sure. where the idea came from? And so Todd and I, uh, right about the time we were thinking about selling our house, because I had made this Springheel Jack uh, 
Gold Key Comics character kit mm-hmm. and was working on these busts. And I was just self-distributing. You know, people would order kind of thing. And I realized I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And I really liked Escape Hatch's mm-hmm. vibe and kinds of things that they've done. And it seemed like it'd be a good match. I said, hey, do you want to pick this up and do you want to sell it? And he said yes. And he took that on and said not only would he sell them, but he would do casting and molding and fulfillment. All that. And it was a dream come true for me to, to have that. And Todd has been a magnificent partner to have in doing those sorts of things. So the other cool thing about it is, is sometimes he says, hey, I'd like to see this. And sometimes he says, what do you want to make? And uh, I, and, you know, I think my, my place in this industry and in this business is I'm always looking for different approaches to things more conceptual than anything there's so many sculptors that i admire that i just think man they can sculpt rings around me but what i can come up with is wacky ideas or what hasn't been done before in this industry there's so many fantastic sculptures that already exist and there's fantastic sculptors working so where i feel like i can maybe make a difference is to try to find something different something that hasn't been done before and take risks 3D printing also allows us to do that because theoretically, we can sell one. You know, you don't have to invest in molding right. and casting. And and so it allows me to be fanciful in what I wanted to do. The Ferocious Females line are female monsters that are intended to kind of be companions for the Aurora monsters. What if it, the wolf had bitten... Evelyn Anchors and the Wolfman instead of Lon Chaney Jr. And she would be every bit as ferocious. So this is another thing. A lot of people like the girl kits and a lot of people like the sexy monster girl kits, but I like monsters. And so I thought, I don't want this to be, you know, Wolfman with boobs. That's not the point. I want another ferocious kind of a monster character. So I've done uh, the Wolf Woman, Countess Dracula. That's like, what if Dracula was a woman and she turned, she was just this noble woman that turned into a, the, the queen of vampires. Um, and what else did we do? Oh, uh, then the other two are not strictly Aurora. We did the wasp woman was Todd's idea. And she's proved to be incredibly popular. And I also <laughs> have a thing for really, really bad monsters. Really awful. I mean, she's, if you see the movie, she's got this awful wig on and a couple of styrofoam balls and pipe cleaners sticking out of her head. And I just (laughs) love that. And so I've got a few more monsters coming out that are just really some of the worst monsters ever made. One of the (laughs) worst, most terrible design and execution. And I like that. Somebody actually commented when we came up with the Lost Woman that there's something about a model kit that even if the monster or the movie isn't very good, the model kit kind of works right it's just kind Mm -hmm. of fun to have that so the wasp woman is that and then i did a companion to spring heel jack uh john bell's devil witch which was another comic that just scared the crap out of me when i was little and i've never gotten it out of my head and i'm like hey i want to do that one too so i've got a few more in the works and the idea is between todd and i he's really willing to take risks like i said i don't know if anybody's going to want a ferocious female do they like girl kits because they like girls or do they like monsters how are these going to do and the good news is these first four have done pretty well so well enough to make us think yeah let's let's do some more of these if they didn't do really well uh todd and i's partnership is such that 
you know, we kind of split the risk going in. Mm -hmm. He doesn't buy a sculpture from me. I just say, I'm going to do this. And he says, I'll produce it and I'll distribute it. And we divvy things up after the cost of materials. It means that he doesn't have to, you know, debt to try crazy things. I'm going into debt in terms of my investment in the sculpture and the time. And he's doing, you know, so we're both at risk and we both, you know, reap rewards if they do well. Seems and pretty fair. Kind of a, yeah, it, it's allowed us to try some crazier things little bit crazier things you know if anyone's interested in any of this stuff that we're showing escape escape hatch hobbies all the information will be down below uh yeah. and you know it's a great website tool too like he's doing some really it's cool all stuff kinds on of there. fun stuff on. yeah it's I mean, a cool thing to the, browse through the design of it and you know todd's been doing this for a long time he's truly uh invested in a lot of the same things that i'm really excited about he's been doing a great job and I, I've had the great fortune to partner with fantastic human beings in this. And that started with George. And then, you know, it's gone on to to uh, Todd, to Scott McKillop of Monarch Models, Mark Worthling. And these have been really good people that have treated me well. And I've had a lot of fun working with them. So, well, that uh, Worthling's gonna... got deep pockets. So, you know, you just keep <laughs> rolling the charges out of him. So, I think what really sets sets these pieces apart though is your artwork as well your box design that you did for these the, yeah, yeah. like the aurora style box that you did with some of those and just your just the general look and the the background work you did on all of them really sets it apart from a lot of releases that come out so kudos on that as well i, I appreciate that you know that was another part of the whole you know it took me five minutes to explain what i'm trying to do with ferocious females but if you show them the box art then people go oh it's one of those yeah. and you know so it helps to tell the story and helps to contextualize everything because otherwise somebody might just go well, why does that even exist i think the and and to me the everybody as you know that loves the aurora kits the box art is almost as much they that gets almost as much love as the kits themselves so I, I wanted to evoke that. And it's been, um, I made some boxes for Wonderfest. It has been a quest to try to find a way to get boxes made in the quantities that will work for garage kits, right? So I didn't want to have the cardboard box with the printed piece of paper on it. There's a reason why boxes are that way, because you can't get less than 500 or 1,000. And mm -hmm. And you, you know, and, and it adds $5 or $10 to the cost of a kit to have those things made. So the boxes that I made at Wonderfest are all handmade. I, I took those to a printer, cut them out, folded them. My wife helped. Uh, we glued and taped the whole thing because that was important to me to have that be a part of it. Yeah. Going forward, how much am I do? I, I don't know. You know, yeah. it, it, I think it helps to tell the story. And I like them. I think I will always do a piece of artwork that goes along with the stuff. Um, currently, we'll sell a poster of the piece because we're out of all the boxes that we made yeah. right now. But I appreciate the fact that you brought that up because, you know, Todd was like, why do we need to do that? And I said, because he went, oh, that makes sense. Like, this is going to help explain what we're doing and why these things exist. So for sure. And, and that, I think it's those little touches. They're going to keep like get people to buy a 3D printed kit when they're like, oh, this isn't a resin. This isn't your true resin kit, but you're making something extra. And I think even including that piece of artwork, even if you don't do the box going forward, is that yeah. kits are like to go for someone to actually go out and buy a kit, including things like that are really going to help with a sale. 
and and give you feel like you have something special instead of just a box of parts or a bag of parts that come in the mail. Yeah. This I mean, Hey Mom I, look I'm... has like been all over the place. I've talk about this, how this idea come about. I one of those really cool pieces that comes around once in a while. Well, this is thanks. This is another one of those looking for something different, right? Something that hasn't. And so this is all concept, right? I I, I was uh, just browsing, you know, our internet forums that all of us go to all the time. And that monster makeup, monster makeup magazine popped up again. And it just brought this whole flood of memories of me as a kid getting that magazine and just the whole world that opened up for me in terms of like, oh my gosh, you can go to the pharmacy and get cotton balls and latex and make yourself <laughs> look disgusting. And it answered so many questions. I, I, I write in the I wrote a little essay that goes along with it. And I said, you know, a lot of monster kids and model kid kids are not just horror fans or sci-fi fans, but we're builders, right? And part of seeing these creatures was not just like, that's the coolest thing. But for me, it was like, how do they do that? How do they do that? How did King Kong move? How does, you know, mm -hmm. how does Frankenstein look the way that he does? And that book came out and it answered the question of, this is how you do that. So to me, that was a meaningful thing. I saw the book and I just, I don't, I, I don't know, I just sort of thought all this memories of my childhood flooded over me. And I thought, this is what every, this is how everybody feels. If I did a kit that show that is about how I feel when I look at all of this old stuff, that's kind of, that was the, the beginning of it and and i was working on the kit myself kind of almost getting a little teary-eyed just remember being a kid and bringing that out and I, and I just sort of think i thought why wouldn't people like that or or maybe more importantly it's like i like that let's see if other people do as well so it's that moment of that you know, harassing the poor mom, <laughs> you know, with whatever. Not only did the kid say, you have to drive me to get these ingredients. And then he does that. And probably mom's friends are coming over. And she's like, how am I going to explain this to my friends that I have a weird <laughs> kid? But to try to capture that spirit. And um, and hopefully, it, like you said, it's been everywhere. It's selling kind of okay. I was thinking it was going to kind of go nuts, but you never know, right? Right. And Maybe, and maybe it will. Now that it's on this show, this is the show that sells we'll get you it. two more. <laughs> right? It's going to take off. It's it's like a so, rocket. So yeah, it's a tribute to Monster Kids, and uh, I got a couple others in the works in this sort of vein. If this one does really well, uh, just because I'm having fun doing it, I, I, you know. Uh, again, I I think you know you and the, Scott. I think you and Scott are about the same age, right? 60, 60? 60, 60. I'm super young. Okay. No. Yeah, so, 60, exactly. But yeah, so it made me like, what's my moment? Because I didn't have that magazine. I had that magazine as a kid, but that's not where I went to kind of learn, like, oh, how was this made or what thing that inspired yeah. me? And it made me just think it was the making of the Dark Crystal special that was on yeah. TV. And it was like, just, I would just watch that movie over and over. And I think it was probably the same feeling you had with that magazine it was like, oh my yeah. God, that's how they're doing this. That's how they're making the puppets. That's how they're painting these creatures. You actually have a, you could have a job doing that. And it was yes. like, it just unlocked all this whole new world for me. And it's probably the same feeling you got 
And I think there's an, you know, a lot of, like I said, the people that I meet and talk to at Wonderfest and these things, it, there's a shared interest in that. People love the behind the scenes stuff. And how yeah. does this, because we're model makers, we're people that make things. And, and certainly, as we know, there's people in the makeup and effects industry, there's model builders that work in the film industry, there's directors that are also model kit builders. Yeah. So there's a common there. And that particular magazine, I, and famous launched the careers of a lot of makeup effects artists. I think if you talk to somebody like Rick Baker, for example, he'd say, you know, yep, Dick Smith, for sure. That magazine. I, I was going to say that. I think there's pictures of a young Rick Baker with that magazine um, <laughs> yeah. that I've seen over the years. So it's... Um, and the famous monsters used to have these little pictures of we want more readers like this. And I think like Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff, you know, who made aliens and whatever, got their pictures in the magazine. And you'll go back and find some of these people that ended up getting careers. And that just tells me, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was so influential in so many of our lives at that time, you know. Yeah. One Did issue you ever get like, to meet for you? Sorry. So Scott, no. I walked on you home and say that again. Oh. I, I, I asked not. Mike if he ever uh, got to meet Forey Ackerman. So no, I did not. Some friends I know that that got a chance to do that, but that was a a pilgrimage I did not make in my youth. I should have done that, you know. So, yeah, he was at a Chicago show here once, and that's the only time I met him. But the, very nice, you know, very nice man. Prior to three years ago, the only Wonderfest I'd ever been to was the one that Harryhausen was at, and. Wow. I told my, uh, George was like, yeah, Ray Harryhausen's going to be there. And I told my wife, I'm going to drive across the country just to go shake a guy's hand and just say <laughs> thank you. And that was pretty much the whole reason for going. And I got to sit right behind him in the theater and watch King Kong. And that was a big deal. You know, you can't, <clears throat> Dick Smith and Ray Harryhausen, uh, those guys, I mean, everything that I have done in my entire life up to and including this is because of what they made and because of the imagination that they showed us and it's not over <laughs> you know i'm going to continue to make this stuff and you see all these people that have this sort of fever for this stuff and there's a commonality there and i don't think the magic is ever going to go away for me anyway so no i don't think so that's, that's part of what that should, should, we, should we talk about how Rob Madison ruined that for you? <laughs> the whole Harryhausen thing. <laughs> oh well, yeah. There was a there was a party where uh, you know I you buy into some of the Hollywood myths, right? And I was like, can you believe one guy did all that? And he's like, Harryhausen didn't sculpt all his own stuff. He had all these guys, and then there were animators that helped him out. I'm like, no, you know. <laughs> and Rob, Rob this day he'll say he just looked like he was just kind of kicking my puppy or something like that <laughs> telling me about that but i'm older and wiser and i'm more practical now and i've i've accepted it you know at this point that's a but great that, story that, you know, everything that i'm doing in this business and everything that so many people that i know has just got origins like that you see mm -hmm. something in a movie or you read something in a book and it just makes you go what you know i want to do something like that and i haven't that's never left me never left you guys you're sitting here doing this yeah like, I, i'd love to hear in the comments on this video if someone had what was your point that got you inspired what was it that you was it that same magazine 
Was it something you watched on TV? Anything? I'd love to hear everybody's stories and kind of share those. Maybe in say, a future people episode. will say Star Wars, right? When they saw Star Wars, that was yeah. a big one. Younger people will say Jurassic Park was yep. another huge one for people. And for me, it was the original King Kong and Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. When I saw the original King Kong, I thought on TV, I just, how did they do that? How did that giant ape fight that dinosaur? And to this day, that's my favorite film of all time. I just, it's the thing that opened this whole sense of wonder in me to to carry forward to this day. So that's a good thing. It'd be kind of fun to hear people's comments about yeah. what was the what was the moment, right? Yeah, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to, yeah. Or email them to me. I'll share them out on like in the email section, whatever you feel like. Or call yeah. and leave a voicemail with your story. 30 seconds. Sure. So uh, you know, one time traditionally sculpted, I'm assuming, um, with clay yeah. and wax and everything. Yeah. And you've made the I hate to say progression because I'll get in trouble with a lot of the traditional guys, but you've made yep. the switch. Let's say you've made the transition or the switch to digital. Yep. yep. Um, <clears throat> what have you found that you like about it? What do you hate about it? Or do you like everything about it? So my, I mean, my career in general is, has been a commercial artist. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just start with the undo button and multiple versions. I mean, that is how I earn my living, right? Working with clients. We would love this. Absolutely. Here it is. Oh, please change that. Please move that. Please shift that. Please, you know, that all that kind of stuff. And when you're sculpting in clay, obviously that's can be an issue depending mm -hmm. upon what you're doing. So uh, I embraced all forms of digital media for, as far as graphic design goes. And I seemed like it just seemed like the logical thing to do. There was a project I was bidding on that was for a dinosaur museum. It never happened, but it was supposed to be a family of dinosaurs. Uh, and I thought, wouldn't this be kind of cool if I come up with one model, then I can pose it differently. And that the shapes of bodies are different depending on the age of the dinosaur. Don't get me started. But, but I could make five or six out of one and then print them all somehow. And this was in the early days when I didn't even really know how that was going to happen. But that was another advantage that I saw like, Oh, okay, now you can do this and you can do that. Um, and so I was, I've never been afraid of the technology. It's, it was such a learning curve to get to do it, but now I just have so much fun with it. I find it to be incredibly liberating and I still feel every single time that I take a file and I hit print and then I go out in the garage and I see it coming out of that vat. I feel like I'm doing a magic trick. <laughs> like I just go look at it. I'm like, that's so cool. I like I get that feeling every time I hit hey, print. I don't sculpt them and I feel that way when I see that stuff. <laughs> yeah, like it's, when I go down there and the thing is on the bed and it's like it's come out and it's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And so I I have I mean I'm still that kid, the kid with the monster magazine, right? That's still me and it's this new technology. So, I, yeah, I, I thought I embraced it. Actually, it was George Stevenson. Again, he pushes me all the time to be better than I think I am. He just tells me, you're going to do this. He wanted me to do these tiny little sculptures of the Game of Thrones of dragons. So the Reign of Fire Dragon, Game of Thrones for his Micromania line. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be you know, two inches long. And I start looking at research pictures. I'm like, how? What like what kind of clay is going to allow me to do that much detail that 
tiny and it's modern design okay so like for example the game of thrones dragons are designed on the computer yeah so they can have 10 zillion scales on them because of that technology and i said george do you mind if i try out doing these digitally and he's like well how how are we going to print like how do you print them i'm like i don't know we'll find somebody like i didn't even know at that point just a few <laughs> years ago um my ex-business partner actually ended up buying a 3d printer and did some of the got into the technology and George knows him. And so the three of us kind of got together and he printed those uh, dragon heads. And I just said, this is super fun. I, it's just as much fun. Um, as, I mean, it's obviously I could get into that whole traditional digital. Yeah. But I don't have a shop right now. So I'm very, very fortunate that I embrace digital because I can get that sort of feeling of creating and sculpting and concepting. And I don't have a shop. I, I don't have a lump of clay in front of me right now. So it's been, I don't have anything but good things to say about the process. Mm -hmm. um, it's every bit as difficult as sculpting in clay. I get every bit as frustrated. I tear things down. I rebuild them. I sculpt them three times. And so people who think, well, you know, it's digital. You just push a button. No, it's not. <laughs> it. I have... <laughs> And not only that, all my artistic insecurities come along with me into the digital realm in the same way as you do when you're when you're sculpting things. So it's it's changed a, a lot of things. Um, I think it's brought me some pleasure to be able to work in that medium and certainly some opportunities. All the stuff I'm doing with Escape Hatch, it's just like it wouldn't exist. It just wouldn't if I didn't have that technology. And so I'm embracing it and having a ton of fun with it. That's my attitude. And I, I guess what you're saying, Scott, people think, oh, it's just digital. You're just, yeah, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there, it, was, it was kind of funny. There was a piece of uh, fantasy art up in a forum a couple of weeks ago. And somebody's like, I get that AI crap off of here. And somebody said, well, how can you tell that's AI? And he wrote this giant essay. Well, I have been in the art business and I know this, that, and the other thing. The very next comment was, hi, I'm the artist that painted that <laughs> and it was actually painted with paint on a, <laughs> not digitally and it's like boom you know so people think digital is somehow less people think 3d printing is somehow less these are just mediums right it's just like you know we're not pounding pigments and putting them on rocks anymore things progress and they change but you, you know, to our to my point earlier, it's like, what's the concept? What are you making? What 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 are you what are you trying to say with what you're doing? That's also important. Yeah. You know? Well, we've run into that. We get some criticism. We cover the digital realm a little too much, yeah. and yeah. you know, both of us, garage kit roots. We love garage kits. I'm a little older than he is, so I started with the Aurora stuff like you did. He was a little later, Dungeons and Dragons miniatures and stuff, but had an uncle that had the Aurora stuff that he'd go look at. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at it going, it's a natural progression, okay? And it's not that clay sculpting is bad. It's not that, just like, to me, it's not like vinyl kits were bad, styrene kits are bad, resin kits are bad. They're all different. And now you add 3D prints into it. It's just another medium 
of figure modeling to me. I've always been pretty agnostic about that stuff. Like, is it a vinyl kit? Is it a subject I like? Do I yeah. like the structure? Do I like the pose? Is it cool? Okay. How do you work with this? I mean, and, but interestingly enough, with me doing Aurora themed things, there's a lot of these people out there that are just like, can I use testers cement? No, <laughs> but, but don't worry about it. Yeah. Like go get some super glue. It's fine. Give yeah. it like, and so it's kind of fun, funny how sort of uh, people can be in their little world of this is the thing, but I don't, you know, what's the model kit made out of? I, I think some people have recently been bringing up you know, how long is this resin going to last? And like the 3D printing resin. And I haven't seen anything with it that is going to suggest that it's the same thing as urethane. Some of those early stinky urethane kits. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm not afraid of it from a physical medium standpoint to build it, to paint it, to sculpt it, to create it. And, and but people are going to be what they're going to be, right? They're going they're going to have some fear of new technology and questions about it. You hit on something for me. Like I have never not bought a kit because of what it was made out of. Right. Like, if it was something I like, like if it's a, like if it's like you said, if it's subject matter, if it's character, I want, I don't care if it's plastic or if it's vinyl or if it's resin, like it's still the model kit of something I've always wanted. That right. would never stop me. If something was vinyl versus resin, like, and same with 3d and printed, it, it wouldn't. Exactly. And there's opportunities as well. Like, so I did this add on for the fly, the return of the fly. And it's this just massively spiky head. One of the fun parts about doing that project was there's no way anybody would mold and cast that thing. Right. Just too, too skinny and too pokey. And I thought, this is a great opportunity to showcase. Here's I don't new... even know how he printed that thing. Okay. Let alone try to mold and cast it. I mean, he must have been cussing you the whole time. Actually, I printed like the first 20 or 30 of them. Did you? And, okay, so you had the yeah. orientation worked out, the support. Yeah, I, had and... it all, I had it all figured out. And even when I did it, but there's a thing with 3D printing. Let's try this and see if it's a disaster when I go to print it. Mm -hmm. You know, for, for and, and how's that going to work? For Hey Mom, the kid's got a visor on his helmet. And so we went and did a bunch of tests with clear resin, uh, clear 3D printing resin. And it just didn't work. It just, yeah. that's why the kit took so long. To, so we ended up, I ended up sculpting vacuum form molds and we got a little vacuum former. And now the domes for that thing are all individually vacuum formed. So what's this clear piece of plastic coming with the three, you know, again, yeah. be agnostic about it. If it's a cool model, uh, you know, people will figure it out. And uh, so as we know, that's, you know, that's one part of the problem that, difficulties that some people are having with adopting the, the 3d printing thing um and you know the perception that somehow it's going to break down or that it's cheap or that it's you know quick and easy are people going to listen to model club tv when all three of us look into the camera and say no it's not <laughs> you know? you're damn right they are okay <laughs> exactly. i know it's good form they're gonna okay you're i'll take the heat sure. yeah i'll take the heat well, this so, like has brought the two of you together on a project, the old and the new. Yeah. So let's talk so, about that a little bit, if you will. Well, the other evil activity that I take part in is scanning things, right? And that is something that scares people as well. Not Scott. He wants to scan everything. And that's <laughs> I want to scan Jason. 
I had to draw the line at a few things, but yeah, so, yeah he yeah, wants like to make the, a life size uh, like doll out of me to keep in his house. Like, I know. like the so, tattoo you and Frost on the original. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a that's another thing that um, George Stevenson was talking with me about. He's got these one to one scale busts. And he was like, man, you know, I sell these, they do really, really well, but wouldn't it be kind of cool to have them in different sizes? And uh, so I had um, Phantom of the Opera bust, you know, the pre-paint one that, that George put out. And I'm just curious in general, and I learned about photogrammetry. And this is at the very beginning of this whole thing. Well, okay, you walk around it with a camera, an object, you take like 500, 1,000 pictures of it, you throw those pictures into a computer, you process it, and you get a reasonable facsimile of it. So I just played around in my backyard. I took my Phantom out there, just set up a tripod, took 1,000 pictures of it, and came up with a really cruddy model. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but then I, I, I got it in the computer, and I made a little video of me turning it around, and George was like, why the hell did you do that? How? I'm like, I know it's cool, isn't it? You know, like, <laughs> I I just think it's cool, you know? So I started doing stuff like that. And, uh, but it, I ran right up against some of the questions about this technology very early on, right? So George says, well, see what you can do. And I got really pretty awful scans that I ended up having to go in and kind of sculpt and clean up. And we got pretty good. So the Phantom in particular, and lots of George's stuff is uh, Jeff Yeager's stuff. And so I, George was super excited, but he, his work with Jeff is, I own the sculpt. I can do what I want with it. And that's their agreement. But he showed it to Jeff and he's like, I don't know how I feel about that. And George was like, you know, if, if you don't know how you feel about that, I respect you well enough to say, I'm just going to put a halt on it. And that didn't mean never. It just meant it's new and it was kind of frightening to him. Like, how do I like it when somebody's taking my stuff and is going to, you know, do this? And so right up against, right at the very beginning, I ran into this whole thing about, well, people are going to have feelings about this, about their work and about what does it mean uh, to reproduce things at different scales. And, um, but from, I refined that photogrammetry process and I started to work on uh, some other things where there were artist permissions given and some of my own things. And eventually I ended up buying a scanner. And I, it's another one of those little magic tricks that I really enjoy doing. The scanning technology is not such that you can set something up, hit scan, and hit print. It is far, far from being that. And it's a whole nother skill. To develop so that brings us to to scott uh, th th this is a great example so you have this um wonderful wonderful uh king kong sculpture uh 18 and something inches tall you guys are going to probably show a picture of it at some point and uh you said i'd like to see this in a different size how will it could you scan it I'm like yeah i think so um so I got one from Rob Madison, and it was quite a grueling process to try to scan it, right? So I've got a little handheld. Uh, not I, a, it's like a, I have to ask, when, when you got it in your hand, did you go, Jesus Christ, what did I, what was what I thinking? I, no, 
no, it's cool. It's a challenge, right? Like, oh, okay, I'll figure this out. So the scanner that I have is intended to scan like four inches by four inches, small things. And this thing is 18 inches tall. It's just massive and beautiful, by the way. Matt, man it, right? Right. Yeah, Matt, Matt did a fantastic sculptor. job. Yep. It just, it's, it's amazing. So what I have to do is scan it in very small sections and then turn the thing and move the scanner up and down. And I think I probably did over 50 different passes on different parts of the model, upside down, backwards, and then they all get grafted together. So that's fairly grueling. Um, I took, <laughs> and, and in my trailer, um, I have to make sure that uh, my wife is out for the evening because if you're walking around, then the thing jiggles. So <laughs> it's, a, it's another one of my, my issues. But uh, then once you get it all together, the scanners are really great. They get the form, they get the overall proportions of everything, but the details just do not come through. They're incredibly soft. And I'm very disappointed in the current technology because I keep waiting for it to get like really better to get those super sharp details. Um, anyway, so. But, and I've got a picture here of the original, uh, the first scan, you know, after yeah. you had scanned it and you sent it to me. Yeah, and I remember you showing us the creature scan from the creature bust you did for people at home, yeah. Scott. This is the one with the, the light gray background. Yes, okay. on a light gray background, and okay. I remember you show. And I was shocked how clean this came out compared to the earlier scans. I believe you showed us in the last time you were on and stuff. And either yeah. how much better you've gotten at it, or you've gotten a better scanner, or both. You know. Yeah, and, I, I'd and so both, when I but... saw this, I was like. Oh man, he's gonna be able to do this. But I know that and next to it, I'm showing a picture of the finished sculpt just to show people, you know, you had to go in and redo all that hair, mm -hmm. you know, and yep. there, you know, you couldn't really match the hair exactly to the sculpt because it's right. it's just a totally different, you know, technique. Yep. But I gotta say, you did a great job. Um you know, you, you split it up for me and yeah, this is my intent. And this is what I like about it. Like you were saying is I can print this in different sizes. Um, and then you and I talked about a bust and I've got a picture of the bust mock up here, um, which I still don't have. Uh, <laughs> such I'm such a jag, you are. but, um, the busy season. What can I say? Tell tell us about this process though of doing this Kong. Like, was it the fur? Was the fur the hardest, or was it just? Did it help well, that it was a subject matter that you're in love with? So it was. It took doing the first scan was a took about seven hours straight, where I can't really interrupt. I have to sit there and and just do it. And I had to do that twice because the first one was a failure. And I didn't show you that model because it was horrible. Um, and I think you're right. I've got a better scanner now, but I've also been doing this for a year and a half, two years. I, I want to emphasize this. This is not auto magic. It just is. I fail and then I figure something else out and I built different kind of rigs to, to make it work. Um, and then once you get it in, I look at it as, yeah, now I really kind of have to re-sculpt it. And so I get the original piece right there. And I want to emphasize this again between you and me, Scott. Before I started this process, I said, talk to Matt. 
Mm-hmm. Let him know that this is happening. Find out if he has a problem with this. And also mm-hmm. let him know that what I see my job when I'm doing this is to be faithful to the original sculptor as much as I possibly can. Get as right. close as I can. Preserve that detail. Not my sculpture. Not my... I am performing a service, I think. And mm-hmm. hopefully um, other sculptors will see it this way. I've done a few things for people, which is they want something larger. They want something smaller. Um and so I take it pretty seriously, making sure that the artist is informed and is on board and everybody's cool with how this is all going to be used. Because like in George's case, he had the complete right to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, you know what? I have a lot of great relationships with great sculptors. If my sculptor is not really comfortable this, I respect that. You know, let's have a dialogue. Let's let's make sure this sort of happens. So this was a sculpture that was... 10 inches tall it needed to be nine and three eighths inches tall the sculpture was fantastic it executed the client perfectly but it was just the wrong size so he said can you scan this and can you resize this everybody was on board i was performing something to kind of help a project along and everybody's very happy with the result so that's another thing that that, that can happen but you know in in, in the case of kong uh, it was kind of grueling to get the scan because it was so damn big and beautiful. And then again, I wanted just to make sure that I got as much of the detail in there, not my own detail, but try to recapture exactly what, what Matt had done in, in that mm-hmm. way. So I just have a technical question. Once you've done your scans, how long does it yeah. take to process in the computer? Do you take those scans and load them in and then it just builds it off of like, could you just explain how it works? Yeah. So. Bit? It builds it. Um, so if you think about each scan as kind of like a little mini project, all contained in a bigger project, almost like Photoshop layers, right? Okay. So if I'm doing one series of scans, then it'll grab that piece of the data and then I can kind of edit it and it saves it in a stack. Then I go in to do the next one. <laughs> if I'm lucky, the the internet will work. Yeah. But I'm in the middle of a rainstorm right now, so yeah. that oh, might okay. have to do with it. If I'm lucky, doing that one batch and then moving to the next batch, the computer will align the two because it finds common points. Right. That's what I was wondering if it does that. Okay. Then I stitch those things together. Now, if it doesn't work, there's a manual alignment routine you can go in. And it's basically like grabbing two 3D objects and kind of trying to line them up and then telling the computer, can you do it now? Can you do it now? (laughs) And, and that was what I had the, the very first time that I that I did it. I ended up with three big chunks that I just could not get it to recognize. And so, you know, King Kong was in all these, yeah, it, it, it didn't really work. So, yeah, you stitch it together as, as you go and then save often. Uh, I haven't ever had it where I got halfway through a scan and then left and came back and tried to pick it up on another day. I'm just a little too nervous about the technology right now. If I get it going, that's why it took me so long. You kind of have to go all the way to the end of it. So, uh, yeah, my laptop does it. My workstation at home was a lot faster. So at the end of the scanning process, when I go and I hit process, probably took about an hour and a half to two hours of just sitting there where I'm going, hmm, I, Watching wonder, the bar go. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this is going to work. And if not, start over, do it again. Be tenacious oh, about it. 
So, um, so yeah, then you get in, but get it into ZBrush, um, clean it up, retopologize the mesh so that it's easier to sculpt on, and then just start getting in there with the actual model as your as main reference, and uh, and clean it up. So I don't know what I would say in terms of how many hours I had into that thing, but you know, a couple of different, probably forty hours plus, and so again i'm not pushing a button <laughs> you know <laughs> For sure. oh all right make, and and that's that's what i want to make clear to people make um, king kong please beep thank yeah, you and, and you know and even when i go to sell this it's going to be a certain price okay yeah and people are going to say well it's only this much in resin and you're printing it yourself and all that and it's like yeah that that's all true okay yeah uh, Michael didn't do this for free for me, you know, <laughs> almost, but not quite. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, I have to recoup some of that cost, but the nice thing is I'm almost out of happy meal coupons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, they're coming. I'll send you another McDonald's gift card. What? 25. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, um, but you know, the thing is, and, and again, the good thing is I can probably sell a small number of these and recoup that cost. Where if mm -hmm. this was a resin sculpt and I had to mold it and cast it traditionally, okay, I'd be mm -hmm. into this for a lot more money and maybe break even, maybe make a yeah. few dollars. Okay. So it's, you know, again, I have the option to do different sizes here. You know, again, we've talked about the bust. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, there's so many just cutting and keying. Like that's another part too, like that you have to, that's yep. oh, yeah, cutting it up, keying it, you know, and um, you know, and you've got the photo there, Jason, of the parts breakdown, yep. and um, you know, I just, hope, just I just hope it translates on our screen when we show everybody the amount yeah. of detail after the scan that you put into there, because I can look at the pictures real close. When people are yeah. looking at their TVs, I hope maybe we'll put up pictures later on somewhere where they could see. You a know, what? I have a picture I can send you to where where Mike did a test on the fur texture. Okay. You can see what it was before he did something and what it was after he did something. And it was, it was amazing. And, okay. uh, I'm, I'm very happy, even though I haven't printed one. Um, and I know I've hinted at it, but this will be the first show where people will say and see that this is coming. And yeah. for those of you that still like the traditional, it is the plan to release it again in the original size in traditional resin, traditional casting. So if you want the original sculpt and Michael and I came up with the term, well, you came up with the term digitally remastered. If you want <laughs> right. it not digitally remastered, if you want the That's analog great. sculpt, That's okay, um, I, I am going to offer that again. But, right. you know, again, a lot of people didn't buy this kit because they said, it's too damn big, man. I can't put it on my shelf. Okay. Too much, Jason's too much got one, so he knows, you know. So here's another, like, digitally remastered is a thing that I think everybody can go, well, I kind of know what that is, because we've heard that term with with movies mm -hmm. before. So I did another project with Rob Madison, and, of course, Rob is up for just about anything, but he had this Octoman kit. Yeah, we know. He had, we know. Yeah, and we know about get, Rob. <laughs> get him on here, by the way, sometime <laughs> soon. Um, but he had an Octoman kit, and so the, the molds are gone. Every, all he had was a buildup. He didn't have parts. The molds are shot. Doesn't know where it is. He's like, can we get this in 
and then repart it and redo it, I'd like to reissue it. Yep, so there's a perfect example where there was no original material to go off of except for his built and painted sculpture. I was able to capture it and then redetail, redigitally digitally remaster it and and exist. And that was a fun project for for both of us and I'm doing it also with uh alligator people that he released. Okay, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. You remember that? <laughs> yep. Yep. And um so that's a really cool kit and I've got that scanned in and I'm kind of working on re reworking that a little bit because there was some controversy about the legs of that creature i don't know if you guys know that story but oh i probably do but it's yeah it's anyway going crazy so I um, like this another thing creature. i want to say real quick too is you know when i put this out matt will still get credit for the sculpt okay yeah. and it will be sculpted original sculpt by matt Manit, digitally remastered for 3d printing by michael Berglund. Yeah. I'm just a helper bee, right? For, I'm a, for but I'm having thousand dollars, but yeah, no. <laughs> well, but you, um, know, you know, I well, mean, so I like your appreciation of the original sculptor, you know, yeah. and, and and um, I also have that appreciation for him. I want to strangle him sometimes, but you know, it, it's um, you know, this is this was a dream piece of mine for him to do, which he did. Okay, yeah. and. My, you know, my problem is there's a lot of King Kongs out there, and I haven't seen a lot of King Kongs that are great. And I think he did a great job, and I think you did a great job. Tony Cipriano does some nice Kongs too. Um, he's got yes, a couple out there right now, um, that I yeah. really like, but um, yeah, I, I mean, this is just uh, you know, for those of you watching, it's still out a little bit, but it is coming, it's the files are in my hands, and uh. No, I, I and uh, and I have to say another you know part of the reason why any of us do this stuff. You ask me, you showed me a picture of it. I'm like, that's super cool. I want to see the original, and then I got it. And I'm like, wow. I'm just, I really, I feel, have this feeling of being fortunate that I get to be a part of it, and that's also really kind of cool to me. Um, and so I feel like this obligation just do the best job that I can for you. Uh, and for Matt, and if I'm going to continue to do this, and also just take the scary away from the technology, it can be used mm -hmm. for evil, or it can be used sure for can. good. Sure can. <laughs> but you know, and I look yeah. at it and go, I'm the original producer, so you know, let me have fun with it, okay? And this is again yeah. another good thing about digital is that you know, even if someone does a completely new sculpt for you, it's like, okay, break it up. I want to make a bust. I want to, you know, whatever. I want to make a wall hanger, whatever. And you have that ability to do that quickly as well. You know, yeah. it, it's not, not that it's overnight. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's, it's easier than taking the original sculpt and cutting it. And, you know, so again, I, I love what you did with the piece. You know, I've also used it for there. So there's a couple of things where I've done uh, add-ons for existing sculpts and so if i was doing that physically in clay then that's okay you'd get a casting of the sculpt or whatever and then just build onto it and take a mold but if i don't have clay i can take whatever the part of the sculpt is that i'm going to build onto and do a dimensionally accurate scan of it bring it into the computer and then i know that things are going to marry up perfectly uh, so after let's so, let's so talk about that you did a second project uh for me 
Yeah. And uh, you um, scan the Mike Parks Tiny Terror Godzilla, mm-hmm. which, by the way, forced me to finish building it after 21 years <laughs> so I could get it to you. And and this is the honest to God's truth. I sent it to you in a campground. Did I not? Did it, did it not come to? So it went to a campground. To a KOA, KOA, where the where the camper was parked at the, that week. My professional street address, right? And um, so and right now, what I'm I'm showing pictures again of this the original sculpt, and the idea was is I wanted to print this bigger. Mike Park's widow wants to reissue a lot of Mike's work. Mike was a great guy. I don't know if you ever met Mike or not. I'm sure George has told you Mike. Mike was no, a great I, guy. I heard the stories, but I never got the. Uh, and this is one of his most popular. Almost his most signature piece. I've always wanted this bigger. Okay. Which is what Jason's mom says. Anyway, uh, I, I got to get one in every every episode, Jason. Sorry. So um, I always wanted one bigger. And then this technology comes along. And I'm like, what if? And then, so I got in a hold of you on the Kong. And I said, well, while we're talking about the Kong, let's talk about this. And I offered, I could have sent you one unbuilt or built. And you said, well, built probably better. So I said, okay. And the idea was, and, and I've talked on the show about it, is because Mike had a twisted sense of humor. His widow's got a twisted sense of humor. Let's take that mess that's on the foot of that piece that's this big. Okay. And it's not that Mike did a terrible job. It's just, you're only going to do so much rough. It's by rough. hand. Yeah. Like you said, by hand and clay with that. And this was just a fun piece. I was like, let's put Mike on there. Let, let's put Mike on the foot. And so you were able to, like you just said, you were able to, you know, smooth that out and put Mike in there with some elements that we wanted, a guitar and some sculpting tools mm-hmm. and his cap. And um, Jason, I'll send you the slide of the finished one now. But, you know, and we've shown the printed one and it's it came out great mike's widow was thrilled um terry webb who was a good friend of mike's i did send him one Mm -hmm. and terry said i want to dive into this and build it right away he goes this really came out great you know and i think what's great about it is you didn't lose the shape of it at all i mean it's you know it's right on and we have a picture jason took of it uh his small one compared right next to this one and it's just, it's amazing. And I got to tell you, too, when I printed it, this thing goes together like such minimal seam work is going to be needed on this to put it together. It's it's Good. unbelievable. So, again, another great job on this piece. Well, there's and, a, and this is, I, that's another thing about the technology being used for good. Right. Mm -hmm. So I get all the feels from having been able to work on this tribute to have Mike's widow. I know he meant a lot to, like I said, I didn't get the chance to meet him, but I know that he made a big impact on this hobby. You asked me to do this. Everybody was on board saying, let's do this. And so it's a tribute to him. Mm -hmm. Right. In in that way. And, uh, and I just feel great that I got to be a part of that. That was super fun. And I'm so glad that you're happy and she's happy. And and so there's another scanning project that's just been really a pleasure to to be a part of. So um, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Can I go be back to the, the Kong for one second? The are the teeth going to be separate parts? 
Yes. There? Cool. I just want to, just because as a printer, cool. and I, I, whenever someone leaves the teeth in there, when you have teeth coming up and teeth coming down, it messes Here with your orientation, how you're going to print that. Yeah, yeah, print yeah. Out. Think, so it, it helps to have those teeth. teeth out. I was just wondering. Long's yeah, the teeth are, are separate pieces. Cool. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's another thing I think that maybe we should touch on if I if we could with you. So on this particular thing, like Jason just said, the teeth are separate. A lot of guys sculpt stuff without the printer in mind. Just oh, like yeah. for years, guys have sculpted shit without the resin caster in mind. Okay. Yep. So because you've had printing experience. Do you look at things and say, well, if I cut this here, he can orient it like this? And, yep. you know. Absolutely. And I think it was for Kong, I even said, I want to put an extra cut into Kong that you might not intuitively think should be there. And I learned this from, there's a fantastic sculptor, Daniel uh, Agnazzi. Have you ever, he's done like pumpkin head for George and. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an Italian fellow that is astonishing so yeah, good. he's, he's so really good. good but uh he also shows an awful lot of pictures of his process and he'll do kits that have 200 pieces to him it's ridiculous but he talked about the fact about the orientation and i i got this tip from him sometimes you cut something if you're going to 3d print it so that it will sit there with minimal supports and that might mean you're doing two pieces where you might where in a resin world one would be the way to do it but if you do two pieces, it means all of the supports can be on a hidden surface. Yep. It means less cleanup of the part for the modeler and, and better. So I started to actually divide things up, uh, thinking in, in those terms like, okay, how's this going to go on the bed? And where can I give you something as a printer, give you something to grab onto so that the actual sculpt doesn't get as much. Mm -hmm. and, and knowing done. what you just said, I'm, you're probably talking about the waist and the bottom, like is torso and yes, his waist, right? the waist yeah because yeah. And i think yes. you even asked me can i cut it there and i said hey cut it wherever you know yeah. it, it's so um, and, and then if you want to so i did a project also there's <laughs> if you want to do something that's just too darn big and you want to cut it into smaller pieces so you can do it on a smaller printer that's another reason to do it but i told mm -hmm. you scott like if you want print a master put those things together and then do a resin if you really want to do a silicone on it but right. you're going to have a better print if it's divided in that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, always as a sculptor and because I also come from a molding and casting background, I'm thinking, how is this going to, you know, you can't let that completely determine how you sculpt something. Cause you don't want to pose it right. for the ease of the, you know, but as a right. molder and caster and a sculptor, sometimes as a molder, I hate myself as a sculptor and sometimes as, you know, it both ways. So I do try to think, once it's been established, then you start to think about how is this going to be convenient? Not just, but the other thing that George taught me is not just for the molder and the caster, but also for the builder, right? So if you've got a head and it's inside a collar, don't cut it here, cut it down in there so that you can paint right. a shirt and pop the, and yep. sometimes that means a whole lot more work, but you know, that's a sign of quality, a sign that you care about the builder, I think part of that dialogue between the you know the those two parts of the process i agree completely as a painter not having the mask is amazing when you can just take a head and pop it in where it's supposed mm -hmm. to be like you just said where it fits the yeah. chest to the shirt to that and it's just you can keep them separate that's what makes japanese yeah. kids so awesome like those japanese garage like 
the girl kits, how they fit together perfectly without having to mask a lot of stuff sometimes. Oh, I've got beautiful. a rat fink that fits together like a puzzle. Yeah. It was a Japanese rat fink. And it literally, I don't know how you could build this thing because it's, I mean, it's amazing the engineering that went into it. But it's like, yeah, but you got to do this and this and this to have it together. And then how the hell are you going to paint this when it's together? And it, it's, <clears throat> but it's crazy. But I've gotten things like, let's say my King Kong from guys and the teeth come as one piece. Now there are two pieces. They come on one file. So yes. Uh -huh. And I have to go in and do the extra step and cut it, split it. And I've had it with whiskers on kits where the guys will put whiskers like this let, let's say okay now if i'm printing a whisker i'm printing it straight up in the air okay so if they're on the bed like this there's no way for me to do that so i gotta you know what i'm talking about i gotta cut them so i can orient them you know the way i need to and so it was really nice to you know the godzilla was really minimal supports um well i think one of, so does this matter to whoever's going to build the kit? My contention is, yeah, it kind of does because people mm -hmm. like to watch model kit TV because even if they're builders, they also want to hear jokes about Jason's mom. No, I mean, they come oh, here no. to hear about... Oh, oh, he got you in on it too. Was this part of the contract? Got to got at least this, this sneak wasn't one a contract. <laughs> he had to make one Jason's mom well, but, joke, okay? This, this is... But the, this is I'm sorry, Jason. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, the no, but the point is, is that everything in this hobby is very much a human connection, right? Whoever the sculptor is, people like to know and talk with them. The molders and casters are known to the people. The whole process is known to people. Mm -hmm. And so I think the idea is that if in that initial relationship, we're caring about each other and we're caring about the product, I think that makes the product more appealing. And then the eventual person's going to enjoy building it i think so yeah. if, if it look if it looks like i've built an awful lot of kits and certainly uh not to but the 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 monarch kits the styrene kits is a whole different engineering challenge and when and i not one that i don't know how to do so the fly for instance we sent that over and i had it parted out like you would a resin kit that's not i knew that wasn't what they were going to do but the technicians in china that took that thing and then engineered it into a styrene kit is a whole nother level mm -hmm. of relationship between the manufacturer and the consumer and when i got those parts back and i'm like oh it fits in like this and it just goes like there's something about that when you're putting a kit together test fitting it and yeah so i think all this stuff matters you know mm -hmm. i it, to me it does it, anyway, i think yeah. it, it it matters to people more than you think i i I think oh, you're right I, about the human. I gotta part tell of you, when I when I put that first Godzilla together, and I'm gonna start off by saying I love Mike Parks. Okay. But Mike Parks was a rough caster. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and you know, he just he took he took that Godzilla sculpt and he chopped it straight. No keys, no nothing. Okay. Yeah. It was the early just, days. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was the early days. I'm not criticizing Mike, but this is just what it was. And so when I got this and I printed the first one, and by the way, I fit one whole piece on a Jupiter build plate. So like at the size I wanted. So that was beautiful. But anyway, when I got this thing, you know, washed and cleaned up and cured and I started fitting the parts, I couldn't believe it was so 
clean. And so, and Jason, you saw it. So, you know, you know, um, it was just amazing to me. It was like a, it was like a whole new old kit. It was like an <laughs> old friend, but digitally remastered. Digitally remastered. Yes. <laughs> but uh, there it is. The, there it is. You the, know. New, the new key, the new hot catchphrase. Yeah, and that yeah. makes me happy because hey, you didn't have the tape hiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That makes me happy because I've been working on trying to improve the keying and and know how important that is and how thick should that gap be and what is the different ways that you can get things to articulate together so that they work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, as you know, when things come off of the printer and you've got to break the supports off, sometimes there's little bits that need to be sanded and there's distortion. So I, maybe it's because I do my own printing when I have a house i do my own printing but uh, i've known the things that i've printed that have frustrated me or that haven't gone well together and i'm at the point right now like it's been fantastic with with todd i think at least no two out of the four ferocious females i didn't have the opportunity to even print them i'm at the point where i just send it to him and then he'll tell me if there's a problem when he prints it like mm -hmm. and then oh this needs to change or that needs to change make this adjustment but um uh, I think that's another skill that I'm continually working on is that technical skill of how to divide things up, how to make things good for the model or good for the printer. There's it's guys important. that get mad at that. When you ask them to change something, when you get a file, they get mad at that. And okay. it's like, it's like, come on. Oh. Now I haven't printed the con yet. I'm quite sure if I put one together and say, Hey, this key's a little tight. I'm sure you'll say, Hey, hold on. And you know, Whatever, I don't see it's going to be a problem at this point. You know, no, no. Well, okay, I'll get, I'll get on my little artist soapbox here for a second. That's right, you can. I do have imposter syndrome where there's so many fantastic sculptors out there, and I'm just lucky to be able to kind of get some things out and and do things. But I always seem like I'm apologizing for my species artists because it's pretty simple. Show up. Do what you're gonna say. You're, what you say you're gonna do, and then be a good human and and help people and work with. And how many times in my life <laughs> I've pulled on I've pulled on jobs and had opportunities because other people just simply dropped the ball for what reason? For what reason? If you have a problem with your King Kong, then I'm the guy that did that. I'll help fix it. I, mm -hmm. I, that seems to me to just be like if. That's how you treat your neighbor. And I don't know. It, it I, seems simple, but I've taken on so many artist jobs from some artist that's been pissy or hasn't finished a project or hasn't showed up or guys. Oh, I've seen I, incredible talent. That's why a lot people. of them are starving and you're traveling I'm the country. Not you know? to be, <laughs> in, in, I'm not. No, yeah. that's exactly I, it. Uh, I agree guy. with you 100%. And I, it's so tiring. And I think. We need to stop apologizing for those people and just let them follow. Like, it. I have a, I have a good friend that's a tradi like traditional artist and just seemed like he's never been able to quite make his career work. Right. Sort of like, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. And it's me. always and someone else's fault. You talk to the client and the client's like, well, he said he was going to have it for me on Tuesday, and three months later, he wasn't returning my phone calls. And blah, and it's like, this is simple. This is simple. If somebody phone, if your neighbor calls and says, "Have you got any peanut butter?" Yes, I'll bring that right over. You just bring it right over. You don't just 
I look at it as relationships between artists and producers and the consumers shouldn't be any different than that. And I don't know why this is, this is why me and my insecurity about my own ability has managed to succeed by just showing up, right. just doing the thing. Right. Okay. Maybe you got it better, but at least you could have gotten it better with somebody else, but you got it and it exists. Uh, you know, it seems simple. But. Scott, care to comment on your slowness and not doing what uh, you say you're going to do sometimes? No, I, I do it. It just takes me a long time. <laughs> but one thing I have learned, never take anyone's money if you think you're going to be delayed. Okay, so, and, and I will, I don't want to get Michael in trouble, but Michael also, we had a mutual friend, so I think he trusted me. Um, Michael didn't ask for a dime till he was done. Okay, and... I paid him instantly, which, by the way, I got an overdraft fee. I got a story for. It. I'll tell you in a second. But, um, Wait, so, like but, but when he, um, you know, when he was ready, it, hey, no problem. Boom, I sent the money, sent the files, no issues. I mean, that's how you do business. Now, if I choose to sit on those files for ten years, that's on me. He fulfilled his part. So what happened, Michael? <clears throat> Fucking PayPal. So, I had like what I had to pay you all but $30 in my PayPal account, right? So I said to myself, okay, so I'll just send them the money and they'll pull the other, the rest, all the, the other 30 out of my checking account. I'll be good, right? And I keep my checking account, you know, linked to my PayPal, but, you know, every once in a while I replenish it, but I don't keep a lot of money in there. You know, maybe a couple hundred at a time. Fucking PayPal goes to take the whole amount. They took the whole amount out of my checking. And they fucking zap me. Okay. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. Now, I've been with my bank since 93. So they sent me a really nice letter saying, hey, you overdrew. And I go, I overdrew where? Because I don't even hardly use that account for anything. And then I go in and see it. I'm like, fucking PayPal. So I right away went in and transferred the money out of my PayPal to my bank and, you know, covered my bank. But my bank covered it, so which was awesome. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, what? so for those of you that use PayPal, there's an extra step, because I found this out yesterday when I did something, to go in and it says, use balance first. Yeah. Okay. And you have to do that. Tell me you didn't do that. But they didn't didn't give me a fee, so that was cool. But it was just, it was like. It takes a while I got to catch up on I get this overdraft notice. I'm like, what the hell? So there was, you know, it it was a great transaction. It's fine. I always have. So the other thing is I'm not a starving artist, right? I I, I don't, it, you know, I think people get really desperate. It's like, if I don't get the money for this sculpture, I'm not going to eat or I'm not going to be able to pay the rent. Well, that's a great artistic place to be like, wow, we're having fun now. But so I think it's also a getting to know you relationship and make sure. And I'm willing to, as like what, what I told you about what I've been doing with, uh, with Todd, we both assume some risk and we go forward together. And so when you asked me to do this, I thought, well, Jason has those incriminating pictures of you that he told me I could have if you didn't pay. So I felt pretty Yeah, but you didn't really want to see his mom naked, did you? (laughs) 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 Thanks, Mike. Mike, thanks for that LU. It was great (laughs) slamming it down. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, so... 
anyway, I don't want to go on and on about that, but I, I, I do have to say that I've had such amazing opportunities that I have been able to pick up from other people that just didn't show up. But I, I don't. But get that it. is, I think, an important important thing you're bringing up. The garage kit landscape is littered with sculptors and casters and people who never did what they said they were going to do and have yeah. fallen off to the side. And I mm -hmm. think anyone who comes into this and says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this and does this, there will be success for you because it's just, there's been so many and I could have one right now. Well, yeah, I could sit around you know, like you could. And, well, and, and it's and like, yes. And it's like, even with this, We've said we're going to do that. We have not missed an episode now twice a month since we started this. And just to, yeah. like, it's been hard, but we do it. And You're not all are up. great. Some are okay. Some are better than others, but we do what we say we're going to do. And people who do that, I think, deserve extra. And I'm not talking like we deserve, but like just. The, the flip side is important too. Mm. If you're not going to do it, don't be afraid to say no. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. And I'm I'm a soft touch when it comes to people, you know, who need help with something. Hey, can you do this or could you scan that or could you do like, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. That's really cool. However, here would be my time frame. If you need it by here, I, I just don't think I can do it or uh, this just doesn't feel right to me. I've even said, have you tried use have you tried using this other sculptor that I think? So one thing that I'm not really super great about is hard surface modeling so if you want you know a halo guy with one of those weapons not only is that not really my passion but i haven't focused my sculpting uh, i've done some stuff on that so if, if somebody if somebody said hey you know i want master chief and i'd say i don't think i'm the guy for it right you should go find find somebody else so just knowing when to say no or when i'm too busy if you need it you know, like I didn't know until just, you know, Scott was bitter about this Kong bus not being done, but you know, <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're not really meeting the deadline. <laughs> what was the deadline again? What was the deadline I gave you? This was what's funny. No deadline. I said, Wonderfest. Hey, can I get it by Wonderfest when you did the Kong? I said, can you get it by Wonderfest? And he, goes, he goes, yeah, I and should be able to do. <laughs> so I, I think this is one of the grand bits of fun about this whole thing going to wonderfest being in the garage kits knowing the people who are doing the sculpturing sculpting knowing the people that are doing the printing it's a it's a it's a fan business it's a relationship business and it's also a business like i know scott you want to make some money off of the king kongs you know why because that lets you do more of that mm -hmm. i mean you start to turn it around and if it doesn't at some point you have to stop doing it if you can't at least pay for your time and materials well, yeah and unfortunately i'm an idiot like you said a soft touch i'm a soft oh, touch just too an idiot okay and like i don't want to say i'll give shit away but i'll do shit for people when i don't really want to because i love this hobby okay yeah. and you know if i can help someone i i do what i can to help them you know and I just had a rush printing job for Jersey Fest and I wanted to kill the guy. I had a week <laughs> to print a bunch of shit. And I'm like, really? I'm getting the files a week before the show. And, you know, but what did I do? I did a little it. miracle happen, though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little miracle. <laughs> you, get yes. hailed as a, you get hailed as a hero when that happens. I did a thing for Jersey Fest, too. The guy's like, hey, 
uh, I hear that you can do some sort of things, but Jersey Fest is a week and a half and away. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. No problem. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I can't get it in time. I'm like, yeah, you can. Yep, you can. And he got it. And so anyway, another That's, happy client. Yeah. I just did what I said I was going to do, you know, mm-hmm. again, pretty simple. I think that's a a great place to leave it where on a good note like that. What if someone wants to get a hold of you for some work, best place to find you shoot out all of your info here in a trailer park somewhere. (laughs) No, Um, general delivery. (laughs) You know, everybody, everybody in this hobby is on Facebook. So I'm on Facebook. Yeah. You know, you can find that or by email. Uh, although I don't almost do any of this business via email, everything is Facebook. It seems to me, I don't know why. So, uh, and then escape hatch hobbies as most of the stuff that I have done. Okay. Um, George Stevenson, uh, has some stuff. Blackheart does Mark Worthling's got a couple of things coming out. So, um, the biggest sandbox right now is, is escape hatch and, uh, and also, Oh, uh, Monarch models, the styrene models, so the fly, and then uh, so there's an, don't get me started on that. But the the fly is another one that I kind of pulled a bunch of pieces together and sort of rescued. And the moon suit is coming out, which has been a long awaited project, and that's one where uh, the original files for the moon suit came from. Um, what's the name of the company that made the little moon suit, Scott? Your uh, Major Man Mason. Nope. Nope. So a guy came out with a model kit of the of the moon suit, and Scott McKillop bought the rights to those files. Oh, okay, okay. So, but they needed to be re-engineered, reposed, made for the styrene kit and the base. And so I ended up kind of taking those files and then redesigning it. It's not my original sculpture, but that's another thing where I'm happy to get in and do that if I can help make a project come to life. I don't have to have the ego of like, oh, I put that rivet in place, you know. So Monarch's coming out with. Uh, with the moon suit, conga, and hopefully uh, a few other kind of fun things that, that we have in the works. So um, anybody else wants to play, come on in. Let's on. It'd be a lot of fun. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, sir. This has been. Yeah. Thank you. Really thank cool. you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on. It's been a pleasure working with you. <laughs> um, I wonder if he'll say the same. Not yeah. that I, well, Hey, he really ask him. I didn't really have any input as far as once he started going, he'd send me pictures. What do you think? And I'd be like, looks great. Keep going. And that was it. I mean, I was not, I don't think I was hard to work with at all. Scott is very hands off. I know he does. Yeah. He's very hands off on most things. And you know, and Kong's a baby of mine. So if I had a problem, I would have let you know, did you change the face? Did you do this? But um, no, it's, uh, it's very much what it was. Um, Yeah. To start out you know so um don't be afraid of technology hopefully nope. matt will be happy i don't know he hasn't seen it yet because he well he will now afraid of technology <laughs> but he'll see it soon um well my only my only regret coming on is that we didn't go longer than jesse's episode but i'm yeah well, that's all right we we can we'll stretch our part of it and we'll see what <laughs> you can, okay it's all on you now we'll stretch it's it. all on us we'll yeah we'll when we're done here, we'll stretch our part. And well, we only right. have, what, two more hours to go to get to that yeah. point. Yep. Oh, boy. Exactly. We're good. We're good. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thanks. thanks. We'll talk gentlemen. to you soon. Thanks Thank for coming you. on, Mike. Cool. All right. Scott, congrats on the new kit coming. Timeline, anything? No, I, I still am behind on Godzilla's. So if you sent me 
a request. I do have a list, and you'll hear from me soon. I've got a couple on the printer. I got Jersey Fest job I got tied up in, and so um, <clears throat> Scott's but, overworked. You guys, you know he's he's struggling. Struggling. I am. I'm dying here today. Should I do my sound effects every time you drink, like I did in the uh, last? <laughs> All right, we have an on-the-road segment. Happy Mike said, you're so stupid. And now you're eating with ice, talking with ice in your mouth. All right, hold on. Go ahead. What did Mike say? He said, glug, 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 you're so stupid. (laughs) It's okay, on the road. All right, we have an on-the-road. We haven't done an on the road in a while. Uh, I went down to Louisville for a music thing called Bourbon and Beyond. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, uh, my girlfriend, Jamie, she collects things as well. And we go to antique stores and resale shops. And she found this one. It was uh, South Louisville Antique, toy, antique and Toy Mall. It is all toys. There's not really antiques in there. Which is amazing because in all of our travels, most of the time it's like one little thing in the store that I like or something else. This one, I, I must say, is pretty awesome. It is huge. Tons of cases of things. And it's not a lot of older stuff. So I would say it's like from the 60s forward. Mm-hmm. And the most model kit stuff I've ever seen. And I'm wondering if it has a lot. And I talked to a guy there. Uh, I think some of it has to do with Wonderfest proximity is that there's some of the same guys that go to Wonderfest to have some booths in this place. So absolutely, really absolutely worth stopping in. Hold on. Let me let get me, to this before you get going here. Yeah. I know you, you told me this, but for our viewers, is it weird being in Louisville and that for Wonderfest? It is very weird being in Louisville and <laughs> Louisville and let me get it right. Louisville. Uh, Ooh. for, for, uh, something other than Wonderfest, the stages of bourbon and beyond, you're looking directly at the executive West behind the main stages. So you didn't stay there. You didn't stay. At the no, event. it was sold out by the, like, this was a huge fest. So everything was sold out. We had to stay like 20 minutes away at another hotel. So, um, and then this antique mall is, I think straight down almost like 65 from where Wonderfest is. So if you got like a spare half hour and you're an hour or so, and you want to just like quick jump into this place, I think it's worth the trip. There's some really cool stuff in here. So just real quick, I want to scroll through some of these pictures. Um, random, just like plastic kits. We had this one, the, the C3PO we were talking about, weren't we like the last episode? Yeah. That this yeah. was the one that was in the case at Don's hobby world. So that was there. Uh, we had some Sam Greenwell stuff. I saw that box up on top, and then they also had the pre-paint in the case. Um, lots of lots of little things, like some newer stuff, like the Cyclops. Some older stuff, like the Horizon Dracula stuff. They had some screaming things in there. Um, lots of toys from everywhere. Uh, this creature from the Black Lagoon mask. There was like, I, and hundreds of cases is about where we were. So it takes a good while to go through there, but if you're in a hurry, you could probably do a rush lap throughout the whole thing and kind of see if there's something you're looking for. Um, you had the Kong's Thronester, 
an SS helmet for Scott if he ever decides to join back up or do his uh, Hogan's Hero cosplay. I'm not the one that does Nazi porn. <laughs> but this, I'm not even kidding, was the most model kits I've ever, ever, ever seen in a place. And I actually even did find one Ralph Partha miniature. The rarest things that I can, I've, I've only found one other antique toy shop that has had any sort of Dungeons and Dragons minis. And this place had one and I ended up buying it. Um, lots of cool stuff. Uh, the one thing I did want to highlight is where's the slide that has, all right, see the thing resin model. So someone in there, I don't know if they were recast or if they're original. Uh, they have this Flintstone collector set. I want to talk about that. You do. All right. I'll come back to it. But they had this, uh, the thing with their, where he's holding the, like holding the dog up. Is that the one? Uh, Dan Chrisley. And then this Metaluna mutant and this Elvira. The Elvira, I think, was is screaming. Is that mutant? That's not like a seventy-five bucks, and I don't, I couldn't identify what it was. You know, see the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, and then they have these wind-up monsters and like this wind-up Kong, <laughs> really cool stuff. And this creature from the Black Lagoon head, I could not identify, and I sent Scott a picture of it. So if anyone knows what that is, it's sitting in that toy mall. All right, back to the Flintstone set. Scott, what were we going to say? So as a kid, um, uh, my mom babysat these two girls that I still keep in contact with when we were in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. They're like sisters to me to this day. Uh-huh. And they had this Flintstone really? set. Man, it was cool. It was It was cool. And Mark's actually re-released this when they did some re-releases, but this does look like an original just based on the box. Yeah. But um, I couldn't oh, see that. Cool. I, I took this houses. specifically because I thought of you, but I couldn't see the price in the tape. Yeah, and the GI Joe stuff there is pretty vintage too. Yeah. So no, this um, is a great place. So look it up when you go the to Louisville. Head you're talking about is that yeah. the one that's in front of that mask? So what is that? Yeah. Um, you did send that to me. I, that's not. I don't Rob's, know. It almost it? looks like an unpainted mask. That's uh, a, yeah. Or a ca- it's a resin cast. It almost looks like it's cast from a mask. Yeah, and, and that's it, what I think it, it is. Fun that's, stuff. Yeah, cool place. Check it out. South Louisville Antique and Toy Mall was a great place. Really, really liked it. Emails, emails voicemails, and, voicemails correct. and corrections. So we have two voicemails today. This first one, I'm just gonna play it. Hello, this number is no longer there. Is due to the content of brick and frack wasting people's time. Do you feel this number is, no, is in service or no longer in service? Please call John or just call Jason or call anybody that really cares. Goodbye. I I, I don't know. What that I, I, don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'd like more information from that person if they <laughs> would like to leave some. I don't know who that is. Uh, and then we have one that is uh, Ghost of Tucky related, but not the Ghost of Tucky. Here we go. Yes, you two. This is Lord Hate. I don't know how John Tucky got a hold of you and escaped his cell. He used my three hundred dollar minute hotline phone to call you. I will make him suffer when I find him. It's bad enough he listens to you. It's torture enough for me. 
I see you up there, and I'm going, oh, I don't want you. But I do want Scott someday. I have a room reserved just for him. <laughs> you got your own room reserved, dude. That's awesome. So we are uh, going the hell away before me. Oh, okay. no. No, no. The thing you've said, done in your life. Well, yeah, we, dude, I don't, we got an actual phone call from the devil. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. And John Tucky's really calling us. Yes. 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 And there's Bigfoot in your backyard, right? No, Bigfoot saw me, but nobody believes him. Please, everyone, stay to the end of this episode when I ask the <laughs> Bigfoot question to our guest. Uh, oh, oh, my parents got me this in Yellowstone last week. Hmm. She wasn't with you. She was with my real dad. Oh, I don't know. No, when she says Bigfoot to me, she's talking about something else. <laughs> All right, so we have some emails. No corrections. Any corrections from last episode? Who knows? Yeah, uh, I don't know. This one's already... We apologize to Mike because I've had so many technical issues and I'm just flustered now at this point. Uh, all right, is from Raymond LeGrant again. Hi, Jason. I've always disliked how static and lifeless models look after a build, if you follow the instructions. So I've always added light to all my builds. I was especially dissatisfied with how rockets look in a kit and how dynamic they are in real life with exhaust flames, lights, etc. That is why I've added active flames and lights to my kits. I will expound further about the process and builds if you're interested, but here are a couple of the photos and examples. The flames are active and not static. I can send you some YouTube links if you are interested. Thanks, Raymond, for sending these pictures in. We have this first one here from. I'm just going to give a little tease and I'm going to put the rest in the gallery. Yes. Send me the YouTube links and we'll put those in next episode or like put them in the info so everyone can see them. But here's a Dr. Strange with some light up fire that I think moves around. And I really like how he did the hands with some lights on there too. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So check out the rest in the gallery. Gallery is very short. This episode We didn't get a lot sent in. So well done. Raymond, the grant cool stuff. All right. This one's a little, little strange. Strange is how, how I had to do this. What'd you say? Still drinking? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> From Mike Zizek. Uh, was this kit you were talking about? Mask of the Red Death Phantom of the Opera Resin Model Kit 1992 on eBay. He sent me a link to an eBay of that kit we were talking about last time. The Mask of the Red Death. With David Horvath, two episodes ago. Is that two episodes? Yeah, two episodes ago. Um, and so I bid on it. And I was outbid and lost yesterday. When's the last time you bid on something on eBay? Like bid. Not, bought, not buy it now, but bid. It has been a long time since I bid on anything on eBay. I think even, that airplane I got. That airplane I got. That airplane you got? Okay. Yeah. I just... I... And maybe I'm not the only one I was wondering. I'd like to hear what other people think. Do people still do a lot of eBay shopping when it comes to model kits? Or has it become so saturated with recasts, anime kits, and like, is it hard to find? Like, I would never have even thought to go to eBay to look for this kit these, like, these days. I was just kind of wait to see what people post on Facebook. You know, I don't. And I've gotten so anymore. burned as a seller. That I don't even want to sell things on eBay anymore. Am I the only one? Is my is my question. Man, you're drinking a lot. What is that? Vodka? What are you doing? 
Boy, if it was vodka, this would be a show, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so I've been recently, and, um, you know, all I can say is, you know, it's pretty much the same. I mean, people snipe at the end. I mean, there's no doubt about that. If you really want something, you better be there at the end of the auction. Yeah. Or you just put in what your max is and hope and no one outbids you. That's kind of what okay. I did on this, and it went, went for $10 over my max. And I was like, I'm a bitch, but. Yeah, and if you'd have been there at the end and you got your thing, but who knows? Maybe someone else maxed out. Yeah. And they might have maxed out more than $10 ahead of you, but yeah. that's all it needed to beat you. So it, it's, I don't go to eBay for kits anymore because there's nothing I'm looking for anymore. Remember when it was like, like the only way to get kits? <laughs> like, not yeah. the only, but it was like, I would go every day and check eBay every day type in future, type in certain things that I would go looking for every day to try and get something. And now I haven't looked at eBay in years for a month. But it was kit. small. It was small. Like, so yeah. remember when you could find G U N S on there, you could buy those on eBay, the original days. So, um, when I originally started, I would do like resin kit, resin model, garage kit, you know, and you yeah. search and you get some overlapping finds. But it wasn't a big deal because you'd maybe get three pages of them. Right. Okay. And I remember searching King now, Kong. Hold on. And there were maybe 300 hits. Okay. So I don't know Give what you find. Terms. What are your normal search terms? Uh, try resin model. Resin model. How's model kit? Resin model kit returns. <laughs> Want to take a guess? 2,000. 110,000 plus results. And that's my point. Like, I'm not going to. And just on this first page, it's a lot of prints and a lot of naked anime pics. And yeah, that's my problem with eBay. And who knows where those come from? Who knows if they're like, I just don't like buying on there anymore, ever. Well, there's a lot of 3D printed stuff on there. And they're most likely not compensating the original artists. Right. You know, and we've talked about that till we're blue in the face. And I'm sure this won't be the last time I mention it. So. So then uh, the rest of his email, we corresponded after that a little bit. And then the last thing he just sent. Okay. So I was watching some YouTube videos on different things and then rewatched your wet palette video again a little more carefully. I bought an inexpensive one and wanted to be sure I was going about things correctly. In the review, you said you kept getting mold in there, even after different copper inserts are using distilled water or another source. I wonder if the water has impurities that are reacting. Just a thought. I'm hoping to avoid mold. Nasty stuff. So stop right there for a second. Yes, I think I found the solution. And so. Game Envy with their recent update to their wet palette. It wasn't really an update to their wet palette. It was an update to something they put out for their wet palette. And it is these, I don't know if you can see them in the corner. One, two, three, four. They have mm -hmm. these copper corner weights. And I have had this thing wet now for a month or more. And I think I've only opened it twice and there is no mold, zero. And I have been using, the water I was using is out of the dehumidifier. So technically it's kind of distilled. Um, 
I was using tap water. I've used all kinds of things, and it I always get mold, and I think it's because I'm in this basement, and there's probably already mold down here. But those copper weights from Game Envy seem to have helped. I'll put. I think there's a link somewhere. I, they may still be part of that Kickstarter. I don't know if they're available yet, but I love those copper weights. They seem to have done the trick. Because the little copper sticker that has come with some of them hasn't worked. There's been. So can I've, you buy those separate? Yeah, you can. I bought them separate. So I bought those separately at Adepticon. Uh, they're like an add-on piece for it. But I've tried like copper wire. I've tried pennies. I've tried all that. And these seem to actually have done the trick. So we'll see that. Uh, another And in another video, Scott said he took a painting class from David Fisher, but never finished it. I say finish the paint job so that you can say you co-painted a kit with David Fisher. Talk about bragging rights. True. Uh, yeah. up, and then he said, Dave to feel bad. <laughs> Updates on your mask making, or is that a project that just never took off? Ugh. My, and Jamie brought it up the other day. She bought it for me for my birthday a couple years ago. I still want to do the masks. It's just this takes up every bit of my free time that I have. So we're there. Cool. All right. From Mike Ziamba. Hello, Jason and Scott. Just a quick update on Jersey Fest this past weekend. We have a we have a correspondent. Just, uh, I took Sal's painting class and he did not disappoint. He he gave a lot of tips on the use of the airbrush and also showed us how he does eyes. That was worth the price of admission alone. While I didn't quite master ma master didn't quite master the use of the double action airbrush, I know now know what it is capable of with a bit of practice. In addition to the tips each attendee left with the Dracula model from Blackheart Models, a compressor, an airbrush, paints, and some brushes. A great deal for $350 to attend the class. That is a great deal. And if you don't have an airbrush or you're in the need for a compressor, I highly suggest taking the class just to get the materials alone uh, when he does offer those. Uh, the dealer room was pretty active on Saturday morning, but I can't say it was packed with attendees. Part of it could have been the crappy weather, which may have kept some people away. I purchased the kit from Pestilence Labs, Saul Alvarez, Gilman, Pro, Blackheart, Swiss Stack, and a few others. So I did make a pretty good contribution to the hobby. There are quite a few dealers selling some of older kits, uh, and there was one dealer selling 3D kit. The model contest room, at least when I left around noon, was okay, but certainly not on the level of Wonderfest. Hopefully some, someone took pictures and will either post them on Facebook or YouTube. Thanks again for staying the course with Model Club TV's Mike. So it touched on what we heard too a little bit, I think. I think sales were up. Crowd might not have been as big, but it's growing. It's going to get there. Hopefully they do it again. And then uh, any comments there before I go to the last email? No, you go. Okay. You go. Uh, from Logan Torres, Scott's best friend. Uh, he thinks this would be a good uh, subject to talk about. Badly engineered model kit. Bad seams, bad casting, resin from the grave, or other mishaps. Like Revels, Dragonheart, <laughs> Dragonheart, what a friggin' joke, and how badly seamed it was. The Jersey Devil by Barker's Brothers. Bad seam joining the wings to the back. So yeah, I'd love to hear people's horror stories. Send them in. I'd love to read them. Some, what's your most, I know you don't build a lot. Do you have a horror story on a kit? Yeah. Really? Some I have built. I have not painted it yet. The vinyl Janus Dracula. Really? I've done that. Yeah. Okay. So the way the tape goes together, 
and the the way it, it the one piece kind of has a lip, so you think you need to sculpt it so the one piece will go over the lip and meet the other one, but that's not so. You almost have to cut them like this, so when they meet, yeah, they they meet like that. And I remember the gal I was uh, dating at the time helped me do this because what was happening is I was holding it together, and she would hit it with the super glue and spray the kicker, and then go down <laughs> a little bit. Okay, and and I ran a trail of super glue all the way down that thing. And then sanded it smooth, and it was a nightmare. Now, and then the way the inside of the cape, the, the upper torso fit inside of that. And you had to seam all of that. And I remember, um, you know, you weren't going to get a tight seam, but, you know, you did want to seam. You wanted to get the crack out of it. And you have one of those sculpting tools that looks like a little um, reflex hammer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember using that to kind of push the the putty into the thing and kind of smooth it out. And I got it, but oh my God, what a nightmare that thing was. And then yeah. I ended up, I had filled it, and then I did paint it one time. I went to strip it, and all the foam that was on the inside started to dissolve. And it was just a mess. I, and and it, so it was like, and again, this is, Early on learning, so I had to go in there and putty where the arms went to putty that upper torso piece so that what I ended up doing is when I, I so I did the bottom. No, I didn't do the bottom. I did the top first. I turned it upside down, and I filled it with resin, and I put a steel rod in it, okay? And then I filled the legs with resin. And I took this piece and set it on top of there because it was a good fit and let that resin cured and I was able to pull it apart. So it's still like that. The rods in there that I yeah. can put it together, you know, like that. There's the rod in there and stuff. But, oh, just what a nightmare that cape I, was. I, do you think so there's as far more, as the vinyl kit goes, that's... Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. Do you think as resin nightmares, or not resin nightmares, but model kit nightmares go, do you think there were more that were vinyl or more that were resin? And no, I'm not talking, at, well, I'm not talking, because, yeah, bad casting. I'm talking building. When it comes to building kits. That writes in Frankenstein, man. It's so. vinyl, man. Like, vinyl, that inner leg spawn was one of the hard, that cape was stupid. It just didn't, like, the way it was supposed to go. Like, I remember that being a disaster, trying to get that thing to work. And then the geometric pumpkin head with the wings trying to get that thing to work out right. And then it just never all those vinyl kits with the really weak ankles, basically where it's just so the, everything sags. And as far as resin, netherworld, man, I talk about casting issues. That was netherworld. And they had some of the best kits of all time, but some of the hardest kits to make look good. Like that Dr. Chenard, the base is one part of the puzzle box. And they just, there was an offset of like an inch that you had to somehow make it look right. And it just never looked right. It was, and the, the bug, the resin boogers and all like, uh, and, uh, but that's where well, resin from the grave kids are. Oh yeah. I mean, I would put a, a, a netherworld up against a resin from the grave. Any day. That would be a hard, <laughs> hard contest. But yeah, send us your your horror stories. Hardest kit you ever built. 
biggest pain in the ass, the hardest vinyl kit, hardest resin kit, worst kit you ever put together. Uh, that Faust kit I talked about last week was a pain in the ass. But so, how was that operation in progress? Was that hard to put no, together? No, because not of- at all. And that's the great thing about future kits; they went together like a breeze. Like they're amazingly engineered. Well, um, I did a Polar was- Lights Mummy's Chariot for yeah, someone that I actually those, all those Chariot kits suck. And um, none of the seams matched up on the I mummy. And uh, so I ended up building it for this guy for free because it was a friend of mine. And uh, he was really happy with it. And I'm glad he was happy with it because all he charged him for was like $50. Yeah. And like, I'm glad you were happy with it. But yeah, so um, I'm going to go on record right now and say fuck styrene. Okay. And, but it, it's, it sucks. It, it depends. I th- I think it depends on when that styrene kit was built or, or manufactured because there's some really good, really, I'm going to take that back. There are some really well engineered kits these days. I know mm-hmm. just coming from the Warhammer side of things and some of these newer model kits that, yeah, you still get seams and weird stuff, but I think things these days are a lot better when it comes to plastic, but those old plastic, oof. I'm trying to think like the. I wonder if anyone ever threw a kit out and just said, forget it. I'm not doing it. Like, it's not even worth it. Yes. What What was it? Like, I'm trying to, like, I yeah, know Patrick, I've done it. Actually, I haven't thrown it out, but I'm probably never, I'm going to it someday. Yeah. The geometric Lacutus of Borg. Okay. But again, this was an early yeah. outing. And to try to seam the arm and match the texture. I didn't do bad because you know what I was able to do? This is kind of funny. I took my t-shirt and I pressed my t-shirt texture against it. It really matched. Yeah. No, that's, I wonder if the original that's, sculpt, if that's not what they did. Well, that's one of those um, where you just, if you made a latex texture stamp, you could probably do it. But yeah, that would work. I've done that before. Used like, so, uh, you know, but again, that was early on. So, um, man, I, I, I think if the, by next episode, I could probably come up with a better list of things I've built. That's the show, everybody. Really short gallery here at the end. We have a little Bigfoot blooper. Not blooper. Bigfoot tidbit from Michael Berglund. Scott, what do you say to everybody? He's not even paying attention. We're still doing the show, you know. Oh, we on? Okay. Okay. Uh, um, say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Scott. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Uh, all right, Scott, ask your question again. All right. All right, Mike, before you go, I got to ask yeah. one more question. Uh, do you think Bigfoot's real? No. No, and I'll tell you why. So I I hang out with a bunch of, with paleontologists and some scientists, and someone once explained to me the real reason why it can't be true, because you would need a breeding population. In other words, there have to be enough Bigfoots out there to survive their own tripping and falling in a stream and they have to be able to breed and have kids. And that means you can't have onesie twosie Bigfoots out there. There has to be a base level of animal to exist and it has to exist somewhere on the food chain. So onesie twosie Bigfoots could just wouldn't be possible unless they magically eat air molecules or some other such thing that a Bigfoot person. Maybe their immaculate Bigfoot conception. That convinced me at that time. It's like that makes that's why they're that's why they can't. You know, get- 
I think we want it to be true. Like the Loch Ness Monster. For years, I wanted that to be true. but I want those silly Mexican aliens to be true, but they're not. (laughs) Oh, Jason believes in the aliens, too. No, 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 no. He's talking about something different. No, no, no. Scott's not up on current events. So the new Mexican aliens. Scott has yeah, no idea know. what you're talking about. Oh, okay. The paper wow. mache aliens that got brought out by oh, Jaime those. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. Paper mache aliens, yeah. I would yeah, love but... any of that stuff to be true. But, I, yeah. No, I'm highly skeptical of, of all of it. And that's why there is no Bigfoot. I'm sorry, kids. You know, Thank I... you. Thank you. Michael Berglund. The I'm final word as far as I'm concerned. This is the like, final oh. word on this. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ready. Doesn't sound very enthusiastic. I'm never enthusiastic. Oh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode... <laughs> the fuck was that? I don't know. I, was... I don't know what I was doing. Karate Kid. I had my hand on the uh, table here, and then... Wax on... I... Who knows?